joining us here from 11 to 1 as usual a ton of college football to get into a ton to get into in general 15 minutes from now we're going to have MSU football beat reporter Nathan Stearns on the program to discuss all the latest with the Spartans as the regular season has now concluded 11.30, MSU men's basketball beat reporter Brennan Shabath joins the show. Michigan State was in action. They start conference play Wednesday. And at 12.15, we're going to talk some puck as well. Cam McLaren's going to join us for all the latest on MSU hockey. But a lot of college football to get to. But I want to offer our honorary buzzer of the show to Henry Menegoza's car battery, which... We had a time of need this morning. We have to get to the show to do our live radio. And Henry's car battery is is missing in action. It was on the in, it was on the injury report. Not questionable, not doubtful, but out. It was IR. Out. Yeah, it's it's not been a great year for the old uh, <laughs> Chevy Malibu. In the last in the last three weeks, the Malibu has gotten a flat tire in in the wee hours of the morning due to the cold, of course, and now the battery. So for whatever reason that vehicle is just trying to prevent the show from happening but we're still here we're gonna it's, make always, it's always sunday morning too how about that it, it really it, is it always must sunday hate morning. the show it, yeah. it, maybe it, it, it works for a rival radio station around here or something but nevertheless lots of football to get into so we'll just dive right in i mean really just a crazy week not just championship saturday but the coaching carousel was unbelievable it was rocking and rolling people were flying off of it but we'll get into the playoff first kind of boring in terms of movement in the top four Georgia obviously did not win but because they were 12 and 0 in the regular season they still have a spot locked up Alabama with the win locks a spot up and then Cincinnati and Michigan it was a win and you're in deal did we expect movement chaos because I don't necessarily know if I did. It's hard to bet against Nick Saban. So is was this rather predictable? I think so. I had Alabama beating Georgia um, in this game because you're not going to see Nick Saban not make the playoff. If Never. He has, not if he has a shot to get in. So he came out ready to fire, um, made that really, really good Georgia defense look not as good. They still looked good, but... They, I, I heard on the radio this morning that they, the highest single-game point total that the Bulldogs had given up this year prior to today was 17 points to Tennessee. So talk about a shell shot. Yeah, and Bama dropped 24 in the first half So and scored on right off the start of the game, you know, two three-and-out drives, and we were like, all right, this is how the game's going to go. Next four drives, put the ball in the end zone, or up 24 24 nothing going into half. Do you think the loss for the Bulldogs may have knocked them down a peg in terms of the runaway favorite to win it all? I do, um, because now you know that Alabama knows how to beat them. And uh, they're going to have to play either Alabama, Cincy, and they're going to have to play Michigan now. So now they got they have a lot harder road than Alabama's going to have to get to that college football championship. Bryce Young was really impressive yesterday. Four total touchdowns. He kind of faded out of the Heisman conversation as the year went along after being the runaway favorite for the first almost two months of the season, really. But he showed up on a big stage yesterday. Obviously, losing John Mechie hurts a lot, but Jamison Williams had a big game for Alabama. And and the beat goes on. You know, Tom Izzo, being at the basketball game yesterday, was just talking about you don't bet against Nick Saban because one of the reporters in the room was reminded him of the score because he was interested in the football that was going on because obviously that took center stage yesterday. He said, oh, you don't bet against Nick Saban. I mean, 
Alabama is probably just as live of a team to win it all as any of these final four teams. Noon, in about 55 minutes, the final rankings are going to come out, and we're going to have some live reaction. We have the TV turned on right now. We're going to be ready to roll in 55 minutes, but Alabama all of a sudden is a real threat to go back-to-back, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't think they're ever not a threat. Um, I mean, A&M beat them early in the year, and they were still trying to figure some stuff out. They have a young quarterback who's just needed more experience, and now that he has that experience, other than the Auburn game, he's played amazing. Um, But, yeah, they started off great. Bryce Young was the favorite. He kind of fell off, got a couple close games, closed out Auburn really well, although he struggled in the beginning half. And then yesterday, I think he probably locked it up with that big performance against the number one defense in the country. There's really no, I mean, there's a lot we could say about Michigan as well. I mean, we can. Get, I mean, I guess we can get to this right now in terms of our predictions of what it's going to look like here in about 55 minutes. In my opinion, and Henry and I were talking about this on the drive over here after his car just failed this morning. I think the the committee is going to continue their precedent of kind of the what have you done for me now mentality, really not looking at the season as a broad picture, but looking at a week to week basis, you know, looking at you, the Michigan, Michigan State great debate back in the day when before we got just destroyed by Ohio State. But I'd say Alabama's probably your number one seed. Michigan stays at two. With the, with the Bulldogs at three and the Bearcats at four, setting up a potential Alabama-Georgia rematch in the finals. Michigan-Georgia would be big time for TV ratings. You know, Cincinnati's going to get in. Obviously, they, there's no way they can keep them out. They'll be the four, I'm guessing. And, you know, potentially another Alabama-Georgia matchup. But with Michigan, I don't know if there's a team in the country right now playing better than them. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I My predictions are a little bit different. I have Bama at one, Georgia at two, Michigan at three. And since he at four with the question mark next to him, in my eyes, since he should definitely be in. Give him the chance to go play Bama. See what they can do. Might as well. But the committee hates anything that's not Power Five in, in general, not SEC or Big Ten. Um, if Oklahoma State won yesterday, if Oklahoma do you State think there won, was a shot that they would put them in over the Bearcats? I think without Pretty a good doubt, shot. they would drop. Yeah, they would put a 12-1 and Oklahoma State team in with wins over Baylor twice, yeah, Oklahoma. Um, That's like three top 10 wins. Yeah. in two in the last two weeks. Yeah, and I mean, there's some other good teams in the uh, Big 12, but they just, I don't know, those defenses down there are really questionable. Is there a path for Baylor? <laughs> no chance. I don't, I don't see it. They're, I, how- you know, I do think that... You know, to your point, though, Henry, I think that there's a good chance that they obviously they're going to looking at the rankings right now. I think they'll go above Ole Miss. I think there's a chance they could eclipse Ohio State as a conference champion. I think they would eclipse Ohio State. I think so, too. You mm-hmm. could see them. I, obviously, I think they'll eclipse Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. You could you could potentially see Notre Dame at five and Baylor at six. Or would you put the, the, the Bears ahead of Notre Dame and put Baylor at five? I got Notre Dame at five, and that's why I had those question marks on Cincy. We know the college football playoff and the committee in general love the money, and Notre Dame definitely brings it more than Cincinnati. Yeah, um, I agree. I, without a conference championship, though, I can't see them getting in at 11-1 and one with a 13-0 team sitting 
just across state lines. Well, it's, it's hard with that head-to-head matchup too. Yeah. You know, with how do you put Notre, Yeah, how do you put Notre Dame in ahead of Cincinnati with that head-to-head? Yeah, matchup? with their one loss coming that, to Cincinnati, and that's that one. That's Cincinnati's really one feature win. Also, that's kind of like yeah. the whole argument of why they're where they're at. Yeah, I mean, and it, it's going to be a top five win. Uh, so I do think the Cincinnati should be in, but I'm going to keep my eyes on that one. I agree. Henry, your thoughts on kind of a final four that you have your eyes on. You know, I I have Michigan one spot ahead of Zach. I have them at two. Zach's got them at three, but our fours are the same. What are you thinking? Yeah, I'm kind of with you, Sloan. I think it's going to go. I, I agree with, with what you said. Committee's very, what have you done for me lately? Alabama one, Michigan two, Georgia three, Cincinnati. I, I don't see a world where Cincinnati isn't four, you know. I agree. And I don't think they would put them higher than that. The, no. the only, really, the only change I could see is if, they could say Michigan won big last night in their conference championship, which means a lot to them, you know. So Michigan could potentially be a one seed. There is a world where that, you know. I think, it, see, that's a very interesting debate because Michigan, I think, is realistically, I think, and in a perfect world, in a vacuum, I think Michigan could be the number one team in the country. But the, my, the only thing that I hesitate about that is there's no way they would drop Georgia to four. Alabama would probably be two. I don't know if they would want to see a matchup of Georgia and Alabama again back to back, but like I said, you know, being realistic, Michigan's got a chance to be the top team. But just looking at TV money matchups, intrigue, I don't think there's a chance. I think this happened again the last time. It was the Jake Fromm year. Was it 2018, 2019? When uh, Alabama met up with yes Georgia in the in the finals in the finals the Tua they 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 brought Tua in when they benched Jalen Hurts yeah and, and then the Smart next choked it away and the, yeah and the next year Hurts won him beat Georgia in the conference championship um, but I see I see something like that happening again where Bama was obviously the clear one and Georgia was at two going in or three going in they didn't want them to drop them to four because then they got to play again the just a couple months or a couple weeks away um, when they know that if that game is the championship, which Alabama, Michigan, Alabama, Georgia, either one of those games is going to bring in crazy money, Plus, which is what the committee is yeah. looking to do. You know that they secretly would like an all-SEC national championship yeah. game as well. So any step they can take to accomplish that probably would be taken. Yeah, or Big Ten champion versus SEC champion. Yeah, so that's, I agree. That's what I think. Let's get into the coaching carousel a little bit, and we alluded to it right at the top of the show when I said that Sloak was not going to, you know, talk about his family, and, you know, I'm so happy to be here. I talk about the most ridiculous thing that I've seen in sports in a long time. He he grew up in Massachusetts. He All his coaching experience comes in Ohio, Indiana, even to Grand Valley, go Lakers, and oh, GV. All of a sudden, he sounds like a rather charming Southern gentleman. What a clown. What a clown. You know, and there's some, yeah, I don't, his accent is like an accent. Um, Michigan State coach Mel Tucker, he's from Ohio, and he talks very slow, like almost like he has a Southern draw. But yes. That's how he's always talked when he was at Colorado, when he oh, was at Alabama, consistent. Georgia, Miami for the Dolphins. That's how he always talks. He's very slow. He's very meticulous with his answers, and he kind of has that little bit of a draw. He came down there and tried to go by you in two seconds. 
Um, no one can be Coach O, yeah, especially not Brian Kelly. That's for <laughs> sure. While Brian Kelly's daughter is still going to school at Notre Dame and kids are throwing eggs at her while she's walking to class. I did not hear that. Wow. Is <laughs> yeah. she going to hop in the transfer portal, go be a tiger? She's tiger. Uh, she's graduating gra- uh, grad or law school from Notre Dame in uh, either December or May. So okay, she's so almost she's getting out. Yeah, she's only got a couple weeks left, but at the time... The people of Notre Dame are not being too kind to the Kelly family. You know, I don't think this is a hot take. I thought of this yesterday when Baylor got their win in the Big 12 championship game. Dave Aranda out back to LSU seemed to make a lot of sense in my head because he just seems like a big-time coach, defensive-minded, more of a fit for LSU because he won that national championship there as the defensive coordinator. That was the the name that I had in mind that the Tigers should have targeted. Not that Brian Kelly is some slouch, but I worry about the fit a little bit. Is it out of line for me to say that? Because I just feel like Aranda would be a match made in heaven. I agree. I also, I think there's a lot of coaches out there that uh, definitely could could have taken the job. One coach who I'll give full credit to, he is ride or die with his team. He does, has no intentions of leaving. He's had offers from Michigan State, USC. LSU, Oklahoma, and he's going to be playing in the college football playoff. That's Luke Fickle. You know, it's interesting. I saw a rumor today that the NFL is potentially interested in Luke Fickle, which is kind of like getting knighted as a coach. But like you said, I mean, they're going to the Big 12. He could go make $95 million a year. Yep. And he chose, because I promise you right now, LSU, the only one that's maybe not is USC, uh, I think they went after Fickle, couldn't get Fickle, so they offered Lincoln Riley the state of California for him to come. Private jet, yeah. two homes, buy his other home, cats, dogs, hundred million, yeah, yeah, hundred hundred million dollars. It's interesting. I completely lost my train of thought. That's brutal. Oh, Fickle. We were yes. talking about Fickle, Luke Fickle. It Cincinnati. He's proved he can go to the playoff there. They've had a lot of success in recruiting. They're going to move to the Big 12 in a couple of years. Two years, yeah. There's not extreme urgency for him to get out of there. Notre Dame could have been a fit for him. I personally really like that they promoted Marcus Freeman. I think he is an extreme up-and-comer. I think the players love him. I look at that similar to when Lincoln Riley got promoted at Oklahoma. I really like that promotion. But Fickle, that could have been his job. Like, Yeah, Fickle could have... Notre Dame, I think, would have taken Fickle if Fickle, or I'm sure they called him. Uh, I know Penn State was on him. So oh, I year. think Fickle would have definitely gone to Happy Valley if they if Franklin like went to USC. Say I don't I don't know because he had the chance to come to Michigan State and build a Big Ten team that has been to the college football playoff, but he he trusted in his guys and uh, he's rolling with them and good for him because that's a good coach. That's a coach that I would want to play for. 517-884-8989 is the phone number. Just to recap, all of our college football playoff rankings, our predictions, obviously 45 minutes from now, we'll have live reaction to them. We're watching ESPN right now, and there's a countdown clock literally with seconds on it. So obviously they're very excited. I've got Alabama at one, Michigan at two, Georgia at three, and Cincinnati at four. A little bit different for Zach with you said Alabama 1, Georgia 2, Michigan 3, Cincinnati 4. So just a little bit of a change. Yeah, I have those two interchangeable too here. I got 2-3 next to their names. They're going to I truly think they're going to be playing each other. Um I think Georgia just cuz they're in the SEC and they did go 12 winless games. 
Uh, they kind of have that little star next to their name that might put them up. But Michigan is the Big Ten champion. So we'll see with the big win over Ohio State. You can also tweet the show using the hashtag GWReports. Lots of college football to come on the other side. We're going to be joined, like we mentioned, live in studio. We're going to keep it on the green and white side of things. A little Michigan State football end of regular season rush with Henry Menegos and Zach. Nathan and I are going to be on the hot seat for a variety of questions about how the Spartans performed this season. You're listening to the Green and White Report. We're staying with football, joined here by Nathan Stearns in studio on the Green and White Report. Luke Sloan, Zach Sloak, Henry Menegos, and now Nathan. Nathan, good morning. How you doing? Happy football. Yesterday was a football lover's dream. It's still a dream. Yeah, it was. What about the end of that Big 12 game? Poor, poor Mike Gundy in Oklahoma State. You get to the doors of paradise after being down 21-3, to only to have four plays from the one-yard line, and you die six inches short. Like that that is that's one of those games where your heart gets ripped out and Dave Arand is stamping all over it, I tell you. What is your playoff for? I'm on the same I'm on the same wave wavelength with you, Luke. I'm going Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, and Cincinnati. The only reason I have Michigan above Georgia, Michigan beat Iowa by thirty nine, and there is the conference championship proclivity. And yes, Georgia didn't have a loss in the regular season slug. My only thing though is uh, Michigan's only loss was to a top 10 Michigan State team, which is going to a New Year's Six. So I think when all is considered, you beat Ohio State and then you go on the road and blow the doors off of Iowa and Indianapolis. I was telling you on the way over here, I think the Big Ten Championship was decided last week in Ann Arbor. Those, I think, by far and away are the two best teams, Michigan State third and then Iowa fourth. I think that's a bad look for the Big Ten. Hey, like, Michigan, that- Michigan State and Iowa on a neutral field right now. I, I know who would re- I know what team will be grabbing that win. I do too. <laughs> like, can we go back to the leaders and legends division? Whenever you have the fourth best team in your conference competing in the conference championship game, it's a bad look. Yeah, that was that. I mean, we didn't talk a ton in the first segment. We'll be joined by Henry here in just a moment. But you know, talking a little bit about that game, I mean, terrible. Yeah, it's not what you want. You would want to see um, Michigan Michigan State rematch and Ohio State Michigan rematch and Ohio State Michigan State rematch. Uh, see if Michigan State has a pulse when they play them this time. Because last time they played Ohio State, they were definitely not there. Um, so, yeah, I th- I think they got to fix something. Even if even if they got to switch up the regular season. Back to legends and leaders yeah, with better it, names. Yeah, or just kind of get rid of – I mean, the Big 12 doesn't even have – they divisions. do. They, the Big Twelve does a great job too because it's just the two best teams play. that season who yeah. play each other. This season, for example, would be another Michigan Ohio State rematch, which I would sign up to watch that. Yeah, I would. I would be right on board. And then Michigan State would finish third in the Big Ten, um, and then Wisconsin or or Iowa, then Wisconsin, then Minnesota, or then Penn State. So. I think it would be a lot more fun or at least give us some kind of crossover game like we had in the COVID year just to give those guys. Because if you're going to do that, Ohio State should have been playing. And Yeah, I agree. So even if they have to play against Wisconsin in the crossover game, at least give them a chance to play to show that they're actually a very good football team. All right, so we're joined by Henry. We're joined by Nathan for a – this is kind of a mouthful, but it is a – Michigan State football end of regular season rush with Henry Menegos. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a big headline. This is a great this is a great segment, Sloan. I'm loving this one. 
Anyways, rush question. Who is your regular season MVP for this Michigan State team? Stearns, you're our guest. I know everybody's going to go with Kenneth Walker, but I'm not going to go with Kenneth Walker. I'm going to go with Peyton Thorne. For the sole reason that coming into the year, I thought Anthony Russo was going to start. I thought you brought in a guy from Temple that had a 16-10 and 10 record, had won eight games two separate times. This is a guy that's going to be able to get you to six or seven wins. And all Peyton Thorne does is go for damn near 2,900 yards, 24 passing touchdowns, nine interceptions, a QBR of 16th in the country. He's got two more years of eligibility, guys, and he was sensational against Michigan, especially in the second half of that game, sensational against Maryland, sensational against Penn State. He's in the top three or four in every major Big Ten category, passing touchdowns, yards, you know, and then even you know being able to rush for four touchdowns this year really helped to solidify a position where, for Michigan State, it's got to be title LeBron's next year because if you have things figured out at that quarterback position, everything else kind of funnels down from that. I think you're going to see Kenneth Walker leave. You're probably going to see Jaden Reed leave. Jalen Naylor, you don't know, but it's a lot easier to build inside out from the quarterback spot than inside out from the receiver running back position. I think I'm going to go with the layup and just Kenneth Walker the third. I I know that the the name of MVP is most valuable, so I completely agree with your point about what Peyton Thorne has done this year. I just look at that Michigan game and Kenneth Walker the third completely willing him to a win with five touchdowns and 200-odd yards on the ground. I'm going to go with the layup, K-9. Yeah, I, I have Kenneth Walker the third written down as well, uh, but I am actually going to give an honorable mention here uh, to the entire offensive line. They did a great job protecting Peyton Thorne this year. Great job opening up holes for Kenneth Walker. Even if they weren't in the right spot, he finds them. So there's just got to be a hole somewhere, and he'll get through it. The Juice um, Squad. The Juice Squad is sweet. They brought the juice. They are, They do have a sponsorship in downtown East Lansing. Jolly no, Pumpkin. Jolly Pumpkin, no free ads. Uh, a fine institution, no, but like you said, no phenom- free ads. Phenomenal. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the offensive line and Kenneth Walker. What about you, Henry? I'm going to give you one. Uh, a little bit outside here, but just for the the sake of his playmaking ability throughout the year, I'm gonna go with Jaden Reed. I like it. I like it. Value I, in special teams and I, on I offense. Think, I think, th- and again, to me, the the real reason is I'm saying this is it has a lot to do with special teams because there were a few times when the offense was was, was stalling out and his you know punt return or kick return just kind of gave him the points that they weren't getting on the outside of the ball. So you think about like the, the Nebraska game and. I just think his play, some of the plays he's made over the season, have you know really definitively uh, you know changed the course of what this team otherwise would have been. So I'm going to give a little shout out to Jane Reed. No one can forget the game opening kickoff touchdown against uh, Western Kentucky. Unbelievable! That was electric. Rush question: Which player outperformed your expectations the most this season? It's got to be Thorn. I mean, doesn't it have to be? That's yours. But there's a lot of, I mean, Connor Hayward could be on this list. Cal Holiday could be on this list. I have a completely different one. one. of the defensive linemen, Thorne. I got, Am I missing someone? Kenneth Walker. Yeah, Walker Darius Snow. Oh, that's a great one. That's a very, that's a very just under the radar pick. I mean, he's a starting player on this team. Starting now. player, didn't start in the beginning of the year, took over a senior spot, second in the team in tackles. A senior has played a lot in Michael Dowell as a well. Lot. I mean, it's I mean, it's not and like he replaced some he replacement player. Immediately made an impact on that defense. He helped in every situation. He might be the best open field tackler. I'm not going to say in the Big Ten, but at, at least on definitely on Michigan State 
if he he can tackle anything in open field. If he I've seen him miss one tackle all year. So if he wasn't on the field in the Ohio State game, it would have been ninety to seven. Yeah, he made what sixteen tackles in this game. That's a great pick. I'm still riding with Thorne. Nathan, your thoughts? You stole mine. I didn't think anybody else was going to take Darius Snow. Number two for me though was was Jeff Petrowski. and this is Another a guy sneaky pick. This is a guy who. Drew Beasley told us in Indianapolis, watch out for this guy. He also said, watch out for Avery Dunn. And Avery Dunn didn't really, you know, crack the rotation this year. But I think people had a tendency to look across from Petrowski when you have Drew Jordan, you bring in from the transfer portal from Duke, when uh, Jacob Panachuk is back, when Drew Beasley is back. Guys, Jeff Petrowski had five and a half sacks. Jeff Petrowski was one of the most consistent pass rushers outside consistently for Michigan State and is going to be the Spartans' best pure edge rusher going into next year because, obviously, Drew Jordan's out of eligibility. Jacob Panachuk's out of eligibility. Um, It it just, this is a guy who, for a low three-star, a traditional Mark guy, a low three-star that is all Mac offers and you get him from Ohio, he played really, really well and was a really big reason, especially why Michigan State beat Nebraska to Henry's earlier point at the fumble recovery. Him and Jacob Panachuk made, made Adrian Martinez's life a not a fun factory. What say you, Henry? I'm going to go with another easy one here, though. I mean, you, Kenneth Walker. I mean, he was 93rd in the transfer portal last. I mean, in the offseason, I think, and now he's one of the top players in the, in the nation. So. A little bit of an easy one there, but I think it had to be said. It's a good thing that there were a lot of players we could have picked from. That's why, it's why they went 10-2. That's a good point. Rush question. Will Kenneth Walker III be invited to New York as a Heisman finalist? I have odds. I have live odds right now. Currently, these came out this morning at 7.15 in the morning. So Bryce Young is currently the odds-on favorite, followed by Hutchinson, Kenny Pickett, C.J. Stroud, Matt Corral, and then Kenneth Walker the third. So all of a sudden, his odds are a little bit longer. There's some quarterbacks ahead of him. At this point, unfortunately, even though I think he deserves to be there, I don't think he goes. I, I was actually talking with uh, Liam Liam Jackson yesterday. Friend of the program. Great friend of the program. Football beat member as well. Um, all around stud. Does everything here. But we were just kind of talking and why we think Kenneth Walker should be there and why we think that he there's a good chance that he's not going to be there. So Matt Corral has no com- no right being in part with the conversation with the rest of these guys. So we looked at it. There's the three quarterbacks. There's Stroud, Young, Pickett, and then Hutchinson, Walker. So those were our five. So we were like, if they bring, because they can bring three to five every year. We were like, if they bring five, he'll be there. If they don't, he won't. So he's going to be on the fifth. I think he should be there. But one thing that we were big on is he's very modest. He's a very nice, kind, quiet kind of guy. But if he would have hit the Heisman against Michigan after his fifth touchdown, he would not only be there, he would be a minus 250 favorite. He'd have highlight videos and phone background photos from East Lansing to Alchemist. You think of the people who hit the Heisman. They all win. Yeah. So that's a very, very good point. Like the football gods were like, K9, hit the Heisman. <laughs> he, he will never do it. He, I mean, the the best thing you're going to get from him is him blowing the kisses into the fans. Which is also just 
charming, fantastic. Yeah. He's very uh, Barry Sanders-like, hand the ball to ref, go celebrate with your team, get over to the side. Classy. Nathan, is this field too crowded? No, it's not. He will go. And I don't you have to have one person who's not a quarterback? It doesn't seem like you have like one well, running back Hutchins, going every Hutchinson year. Hutchinson would go. Would he, though? Oh, he's got to. Come on. Michigan, big blue influence if he didn't go to the michigan, way they're playing if he didn't go to michigan he would not be there since he goes to michigan i think he'll be there but if you look at the numbers kenny wilkes had better numbers than him and if I he d- was playing for boston college he wouldn't be there no i mean it, if he's, he's got that block like, m on his chest it's hard to know what is what's real you know when, when it surrounds you like what it what is organizational program hype and what is actually there Guys, Walker ran for five touchdowns and 200 yards against this U of M defense and this, you know, vaunted U of M Jim Harbaugh team that's, in my guess, going to be number two. What what else can you say about Kenneth Walker that hasn't already been said? I, I would hope, I would pray that the benefactors that present the Heisman Trophy would understand the fact the guy ran for 1,700 yards and almost 20 touchdowns without doing anything against Youngstown State and being at 45% against Ohio State. So and I, he only had one turnover all year. Top I, down, he needs to go. My thought's a little different. I'd say one of Stroud and Pickett, probably Stroud, out in, in, in favor of Kenneth Walker III. Come on, Ohio State went 10-2. and two. They yeah. didn't win a single big game this year. I know he put up gaudy numbers. And he's only a freshman. Like Yeah, he didn't win. Beating MSU's not a big win? Well, I mean, that's a big win, but... Come on, they lost to Oregon. Yeah, they lost to who Michigan. else is your big win? Yeah, against if you're them, who's Purdue? your next biggest they beat win? A, they beat a yeah, they, ranked Purdue. We, we couldn't. Michigan State couldn't beat Purdue. They uh, they yeah. they knocked them off. Well, either way. All right, rush question: Who is your defensive player of the year for the Spartans? This is see, this is a tougher one. So I got mine pretty pretty easy right off the top of my head. While I do love Darius Snow. I'm going to take somebody who plays a little bit deeper than him, and I'm going to go with Xavier Henderson. Uh, X is not only one of the most fun people to talk to, um, and he's very nice. If you ever see him, if you say hi, he'll most definitely say hi and give you a smile right back. He's an amazing leader. X is a great nickname, too. Oh, amazing. He talked about how Kari Willis kind of shaped him into the leader he is today. Um and I do believe he's a guy on this football team that could be playing on Sundays eventually. Um, the future is still kind of up in the air for him. He does have one year left of eligibility. Wasn't on that senior day he graphic. He was not on the senior day graphic. Um, he really brings some energy back there. And he's he started for three years. So he's got all the experience in the world. And he really coaches up those younger corners, which we we saw throughout the year. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rock with Xavier Henderson. Nathan? Cal Holiday. Did you know he grew up on a chicken farm? The most oh, overused. He the most wear, overused. <laughs> he doesn't wear gloves. He doesn't wear an arm sleeve. He rocks a, a sledgehammer on his hand. Every t- every broadcast this year, it was two things. Oh, he grew up on a rural chicken farm. And wow, did you know that Peyton Thorne and Jaden Reed went to high school together? They're best friends. It was the new Clayton Kershaw and Matthew Stafford went to high school together. I'm with you, though. Holiday, Holiday's my MVP. Well, and you have 85 tackles. That's the third best mark on the team. Five tackles for loss. I only have him not only because he was, you know, when he made that freshman All-American team. It's where people, kind of like with Petrowski, you didn't have him on your radar. I didn't have him on my radar. I was thinking your starting linebacking core is either going to be Ben Van Sumeren, 
Guevara's Crouch, Noah Harvey, who started the previous two years at that Mike linebacker position. I didn't have him on my three deep when we went to Northwestern. I'm like, wait, holiday starting? Like, wait, what? What, what, what are we doing here? Just a very consistent every down linebacker. He's not flashy in how he gets to his spots, how he gets to his landmarks, how he fills up that A and B gap as a run defender, but he's always there. He always finds a way to get to that right spot. And that's a guy as a redshirt freshman that is going to anchor the middle of that MSU front seven for the next two or three years. Alrighty. Next up, we're going to go to the other side of the ball. Who is your offensive player of the year for the Spartans? Once again, this could be a layup with Kenneth Walker III. Jaden Reed is a contender. Peyton Thorne. I'll, I'll give it to you guys. I'm going to go Jaden Reed. I That was who I originally had when I saw the segment document. Talk about a guy who, when Jalen Naylor got hurt against Michigan and obviously hasn't played since then, the last four games, well, four and a half games, Reed was the main reason they beat Penn State. Reed was a big reason why they beat U of M. This guy went from being, I think, a guy who I don't think was going to declare for the draft, who was sort of 1A and 1B with Naylor, to establishing himself as the top dog on the outside for MSU. I mean, if he doesn't make that touchdown catch on 4th and 15 where he's got Joey Porter draped all over him, not sure MSU wins that game. This is a guy who torched Maryland, torched Penn State, had that huge Huge fourth down conversion against Michigan in the third quarter to keep the drive alive and then obviously spring the Spartans win 946 receiving yards, eight touchdowns, had the special teams play that Henry was talking about, you know, let's be MSU doesn't beat Nebraska if he doesn't have that 62 yard punt return touchdown, just an absolutely sensational year for Jaden Reed and a big reason why I think you're going to see him leave. I'll take QB1, Peyton Thorne. I already had... Kenneth Walker III is my MVP, so I don't want to double down on that. But I thought Anthony Russo would go out there, lead a 6-6 six and six team, perform decent. But, I mean, Peyton Walker, you know, Peyton Thorne, not unbelievable speed, not unbelievable size, not unbelievable arm strength, but he just does everything well, limits turnovers, and throws a really good ball. I'll say he throws a he's, cool he's my offensive MVP. He throws a great ball. Mine's a little... Uh... It's a little out there. I'm gonna Connor go Hayward. Connor Hayward. Yes, I took the words right out of your mouth. You stole them right out of there. Connor Hayward not only gave us a game in the in the tight end position that we didn't have before, um, but he moved over from running back and did that. And he is an amazing blocker. He's an amazing blocker. I've never seen a tight end other than our new freshman transfer tight end, who's also my honorable mention for who I'm the most excited to see, Malik Carr. Um, but I'm not, he's the only guy on the team that's not a tight end that I've seen have that many pancake blocks. I agree. Rush question, which Spartan has the most to prove in the bowl game? I think this is a layup. It's Jay Reed. He's one big bowl game away from being like a third-round pick, in my opinion. If he goes out and puts up a buck 50 and a couple touchdowns against Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl, more on that with the next question we're going to get to. I mean, I already think he's probably gone to the draft, but I think a big bowl game would seal it, in my opinion. I'm going to go with the entire second secondary. I think all their jobs are on the line, except for probably Xavier Henderson if he comes back. Um, but all your corners, because Chuck Brantley's out, he'll be back next year. And we know Mel loves digging in the transfer portal. He's not afraid to go out there and get some new corners that he thinks can do a better job playing his system. Um, I do think we'll see some changes to that system, maybe a little bit. 
But uh, we'll have to see. I think their jobs are all on the line, and they're going to have to play big and get a win for uh, to be safe for next year. That's a really good call. Not even thinking of personal future, like an NFL future, but the team next year. Yeah. Nathan, your thoughts? I'm going a little under the radar, and I'm going to go with Connor Hayward. Because as you said, Zach, he, he was a little bit more of that H-back tight end hybrid, a guy who you were going to run some intermediate crossing routes. You're going to run them some wheel routes. They ran that tunnel screen action a lot. He's in the Reese's Senior Bowl, but, you know, if I'm in Scott, I have some concerns. You've been in this position for only one year. You, When you were a running back, let's be honest, he struggled to run through contact a little bit, and that's initially why I think Jay Johnson moved him was because they saw, they saw the skill set and they saw sort of a with Matt Dotson leaving after last year, you saw this gaping hole production-wise at tight end, but for all that Connor Hayward did toward the end of the year, 30 catches, 289 yards in total, did a lot against Purdue, obviously had some good catches against Maryland. That middle portion of the year, Rutgers, Indiana, didn't do much. There was a period of two or three games in that middle of that slate where Connor Hayward wasn't really a focal point in that passing attack, so he needs to show that he can have some consistency and he can continue to do what he's been doing, which has been that reliable second or third receiving option behind Jay Reed and Mosley with Naylor being out. Rush question, what bowl game will the Spartans land in? You see, we have bracketologists for the NCAA tournament. We have a shabracketologist who's going to be joining us at 1145 to discuss all the latest with the men's basketball team. But we also have a bowlologist, Nathan Stearns, who's been all over this bowl game for like the last month. And you know exactly where they're going. And we're going to find out here in about 21 minutes where they're going. So without further ado... I don't know where they're going. It's going to be one of two places. It's either going to be the Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame or the Peach Bowl, most likely, against Pittsburgh. And it, it really comes down to how much the committee values the sort of branding because a Notre Dame-Michigan State Fiesta Bowl would get you a lot. By the same token, how and, and there's pluses and minuses to both of these bowl games. I was telling you guys, MSU goes to the Peach Bowl they're all alone in that time slot on December 30th. I think it's either at 7 or 8 p.m. I know it's at night down in Atlanta. You play the Fiesta Bowl against probably either Notre Dame or Oklahoma State. Um, you got the Outback Bowl going on at noon. You got the Citrus Bowl going on at 1. So there's going to be a lot going on on New Year's Day. Not as much as going on on December 30th. But either way, MSU is going to get a New Year's 6. We talked about that last week and the week before. Some things they had to go right. Cincinnati winning obviously helped MSU because if Cincinnati loses to Houston, then there is a rule where the highest rated group of 16 that doesn't make the playoffs has to get one of those at-large New Year's Six bids, but since since Cincinnati did make it, they took that group of five bid. Michigan winning obviously helps because if Iowa beat U of M, it'd be Iowa, Ohio State, and um, Michigan getting those three bids. Obviously, OSU probably goes to the Rose, and um, you know I think Michigan would probably go to the Fiesta. So it's either going to be the Peach or the Fiesta. I've heard both. Rico Beard, I was, you know, texting back and forth with Zach Serdnick. He said Rico Beard's about 75% sure that they'll go to the Fiesta. I've heard a lot of people, though, predict the Peach, so it's really up in the air. There, there's nothing we can add. He knew all the that's, rules, that's exactly, all the intricacies. That's actually what I got written down. The only thing is I got Oklahoma State question marked over there, like, is there a chance they could play them instead of, Pete's, uh, instead of Pitt? But, or Baylor, Potentially in the no, Fiesta Bowl. Ba- Baylor's got the buy-in to the or the into the sugar, so they'll play Ole Miss. I, I assume that'll be a great game. We'll have to go over it. That'll be a great game, though. Russ, question last one: favorite moment 
from the regular season? There's a ton you can pick from. It's got to be. It, there's this one that stands out in my mind, and I'm sure this is a consensus. The, high, the, the Heisman moment that should have been five touchdowns for Kenneth Walker III against the University of Michigan, their only loss of the season. It's got to be that one. That was an unbelievable day. I'm just, I'm going to go on a same game, different moment, the Charles Brantley one-handed interception, because I remember being on the call with Zach, and I and I, I, I was went back after the Penn State game, and you know, you, you go back and you listen to some of your calls, and you just have to chuckle. I feel so bad for the people listening to us, because they probably suffered permanent hearing damage. I just start <laughs> screaming, Charles Bradley made the pick! Charles Bradley made the pick! Just like, go crazy, folks! Like, Michigan State may have just walked this one off. Like, I... Everybody I've heard, yeah, I kind of lost consciousness, but that that I did too. But the even better part was after that game ended, right? And we're kind of on, we're, we're above the, no, we're on the photo deck right next to Michigan Student Radio Station. And you see four distinct plumes of smoke. You have one in the west, one in the north, like you, either, you know where Cedar Village is. There's one over here. There's one, and like 30 seconds after the game ends, you just start seeing like the ashes rise from the dark and just all these different plumes of smoke. It was awesome. So what a ride. I got I got two different ones. I'm going to go with the Jaden Reed kick return against Nebraska um, to pretty much win us that game, to send us to overtime. But that that's my honorable mention. My favorite moment is the onslaught of flea flickers we saw this year. That is starting with Youngstown State. That was a – you know what? That's like – that's a very under-the-radar moment, too. I was in the student section for that game – Beautiful, warm, sunny afternoon. The woodshed was full for the first time in months. Flea flicker on the first play of the game to read. I was going bananas. They got shirts that say "Flea Flicker You" with Kenneth Walker pitching the ball back to Peyton Thorne, and I, I love it. I like the this. This is always going to be known you. as the Flea Flicker Year. Yeah. Henry, Henry, you have one, Henry. I mean, I, I agree. You can't. The Michigan game was just incredible. Like the comeback, they did. They did everything they had to do. The two point conversions, the interception, like. Five touchdowns, like, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's it's one of my favorite memories ever. But I will say, our first ever overtime experience against Nebraska in the night game, it was still, like, warm weather. There was, like, the sunset in the background. And then they, the game went to, like, 1130 at night. Like, that was pretty cool. That, they, they broke out the, the light show for the first time that night. That, that was, was electric. That was a pretty great night, that Chester, first overtime win. Chester Kimbrough pick? She, I was just going to say, the Chester Kimbrough game. Right. The, yeah, it was, that, was, that was pretty. Before the Michigan game, that was my favorite uh, probably Michigan State football experience. I mean, we're in a fortunate position where we can say, just like what player outperformed your expectations, there were so many moments that we could have picked from, but that was a lot of fun. We we got after it. We had a little fun. We talked some X's and O's. We're going to talk more X's and O's on the other side of the break with Brennan Shabath, Michigan State men's basketball beat reporter here at WDBM. But stay tuned as well. We're exactly 15 minutes away from the college football playoff rankings show. And we're going to have a roundtable to end all roundtables. we got phones ringing. Is that your insider? I, I don't I think it was my uh, one of the kids I used to help coach hockey. Oh, maybe it is an insider. Maybe, maybe he knows the, who the playoff team is. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe trying to get some tips on how to win a faceoff or something. Uh, 
yeah. Cam was here, I probably would have answered it. He, he's going to be here soon, though, yeah, too. We have Cam coming on. So. Like I said, though, it's going to be the round table to end all round tables. Henry, myself, Zach, Nathan will come back. And after basketball, Brendan also loves football. So the studio is just going to be loaded up. Full reaction. We'll know where Michigan State's going. We'll know the final four teams. But basketball first. Lots coming up on the Green and White Report. There's simply a lot to do this morning. We have, we've talked a lot of football. we got more football in 13 minutes. Cam McLaren's coming in at about 11-18 for Michigan State hockey as well. They split with Penn State this weekend. But, like I said, without further ado, it's hoops time right now. We're joined by Brendan Shabath live in studio for the next couple segments. Brendan, I, I just want to say, I know that this is not hoops related, but I love your hat. Thank Check you. out that logo, Zach. The old, we love old the school old tiger with, yeah. with with the baseball bat. That's that's a shout great out, logo. Shout out forty seven. They've they've got some stuff on that website Dude, too. You gotta love forty seven. Yeah, have to. Brendan, Michigan State men's basketball is the topic at the moment. Obviously, busy show, lots to do. It was a big football weekend, but the Spartans were in action yesterday too getting a victory over the Toledo Rockets at the Breslin Center. Kind of a sleepy game, but nevertheless, were you genuinely pleased with what they were able to do, or was it kind of a letdown? Yeah, I mean, the first half was really exciting because Toledo starts the game uh, Michigan holding Michigan State scoreless for almost three minutes. They led, it was just four to nothing, but still, Spartans hadn't scored in the first three minutes, basically. And then they're up 10-7 at the first media break. It seems like they're going to keep it close. Maybe this is, like you mentioned, a sleepy game that Michigan State has to really battle through. And then the play that stuck out to me was Toledo misses on the other end. Michigan State comes down, lob from Hogarth to Bingham, and he misses it. Hogarth gets the offensive rebound, lobs to a cutting Jaden Akins, and he misses. Bingham gets the offensive rebound, misses a jumper, ball goes out of bounds, and it's like, we just missed three shots from inside four feet. What are we not going to be able to score this it was game? A lid on it. It's it's ten to seven Toledo at this point. Inbound, <laughs> Jaden Akins drills a three, ties the game at ten. From that point, Michigan State outscored Toledo thirty three to thirteen the rest of the way in the first half. At one point, I think the score was forty five to fifteen. It didn't look like Toledo was even going to get to twenty at half. They reached twenty three eventually. So that was really exciting. It looked like this was going to be a dominant Michigan State win. They were going to hold Toledo under 50 points or something like that. Uh, and then in the second half, they just started really slow. Toledo got the lead uh, back around 14. They even cut it down to as much as 9 at one point. It was primarily a double-digit lead the whole rest of the way, but that's something that Izzo talked about in his presser was he kind of wished that his team could have kept the you know the foot on the gas and, and maybe some other guys from reserves could have gotten in, but it was a little bit too close there and Toledo was still trying to make that run late in the game. But I was relatively impressed. Michigan State shot the ball well, um, shot better than their season average in three-point percentage and free-throw percentage, which is always good to see. Only 12 turnovers, too. And Now, they only forced 12 turnovers from Toledo, but Toledo holds the ball pretty well. They don't, they don't turn it over a whole lot. And just 12 for Michigan State, they only gave up 10 points on those 12 turnovers, too. Huge improvements in the last two games. And I think part of it is what Izzo talked about after the Louisville game is he said hopefully – you know, in the early games, you're traveling a lot. They go to Atlantis, and it's three games in three days. There's no practice in between those games. Just shoot arounds and film. He, he talked about, you know, now that we're getting into the regular, regular season with Big Ten play coming up, you know, a, a game every three days, it's a little bit more 
rhythmic, you know, a little bit more of a, a set schedule for these guys that hopefully that helps his players. And it seems like it is through the first two at least. So I got so I kind of off of what you said. My first question is, uh, what can MSU do, or how can they finish out games better? It, I think it's more. It's just a thing of. Uh, it's more about time. They just need time to develop. I mean, we've seen it. It seems like, and it, and it feels like, just with the eye test, it might not exactly correlate in the stats that this offense is clicking better and better every game. I think every game Tyson Walker plays, he looked more comfortable. For the first time all year last night against Toledo, he had zero turnovers. And so did Jaden Akins. Hogard had three, but when you say that between your three point guards, and I will say Jaden Akins is a point guard. He got 24 minutes last night. He's going to get 15-plus minutes every game the rest of the way. If he keeps playing like this, he's going to handle the ball a little bit. If those three guys can have three turnovers – that's a pretty big factor, and that's really what it is. It's about holding on to the ball late in games, and it's about decision-making. You know, Gabe Brown has to be aggressive but pick his spots, and then that's one thing that Izzo talked about. Christie's got to shoot a little bit better. I mean, he, he led the team with 14 points last night, but five guys were in double figures. Aikens had nine. Christie shot four of 14 from the floor. It, it's about decision-making, and it's about chemistry, and that just comes with time, and I think they have plenty of time. I think... The non-conference before December was really tough, and, and it was one of the better schedules in the country. They played UConn, Baylor, Loyola, Kansas, obviously, um, a couple good teams uh, in state and western and eastern. But I think one advantage for Michigan State is the rest of December is is should be pretty easy. I think they should go undefeated in December. They've got Oakland coming up. Uh, they'll start Big Ten play next week with Minnesota and Penn State. Those are looking like the bottom two teams in in the conference right now. High Point University, yes, that's an actual school, is going to come to East Lansing later in December. So I think Michigan State should walk through December pretty easily. But it's it's going to be an opportunity for them to work on the fundamentals, work on the sets offensively. I'm not worried about their defense. Izzo said that his defense is way ahead of where he thought it would be, and I think it can only get better, honestly. I still don't think we've seen really what Tyson Walker can do defensively. I think Jaden Akins, the more minutes he gets, the more we're going to be impressed with his defense. Obviously, Bingham's doing his thing. Malik Hall hasn't really had a standout game defensively. He's going to have one of those. But, yeah, they're going to use December to work everything out offensively. They're going to get better at free throw shooting. I I, I truly believe this team can shoot 75% plus from the line the rest of the year. Um, And the three-point shooting – that's kind of hit or miss with just any basketball team. Obviously, some are guaranteed to have good shooters. And Michigan State has shooters on this team. Izzo has tried so hard to convince the media this season and last season that his team can shoot. They just haven't been able to do it in games. And I think they can use December to kind of work on that and, and get the best shots possible and hopefully start knocking them down that once we get into real Big Ten play, it can be something useful. I want to talk about a guy that – I know you and I have had our eyes on all season long, and you talked with him a little bit after the game yesterday, and that would be Max Christie. Obviously, the shots aren't going down, you know, for him. He's one of the players on the, you know, you think of Hauser, him, even Gabe Brown, some shooting woes early this season, but his value defensively this season has been unbelievable. You asked him a question yesterday about getting that number one assignment from the opposition. His shots will eventually start going down. He's just too good of a shooter for that to this trend to continue he also plays a ton of minutes and he's a workhorse how is his upside going to help this team down the stretch and and how do you see his his maturation going so far I think it's going okay I think it's kind of 
It's not what we expected. I think we kind of thought he'd be a little bit more of an offensive threat right now. Again, I say that, and he led the team in points last night. But um, I think the benefit of him not shooting the ball as well, because he's getting a ton of shots, and that was kind of an issue last year with this team, was getting the right guys the right amount of shots. I mean, it felt like for the first three months of the season last year, Aaron Henry only had like six or seven shots a game. And finally, when he started putting the ball up more, he started scoring more. So that's not an issue with Christie. He's already getting the number of shots. I think he's been in double figures in shot attempts almost every game this season. You know, 14 shots last night, 27 minutes. I think one advantage of him not shooting as well as, you know, we would like him to is that right now he's getting very open shots. He's Almost, he's open for three or four drive and kick threes, and I mean wide open a game so far this season. If he starts knocking them down, they're going to have to focus on him a little bit more, and he's going to draw a better defender, you know, from some of these teams in the Big Ten. But I'm not really sure what it is with him. I think it, it you know, it's just kind of being a freshman and and finding your niche in this offense and uh, working things out. But he looks comfortable. He looks okay. I think it's just. Maybe a little bit of a shooting slump, getting used to uh, playing with fans. You know, at his high school, he didn't have fans that last year because of COVID. And, you know, Breslin didn't have fans last year either. So I think it's just kind of getting used to that, getting used to the college level season. I mean, a college basketball season versus high school is so different. Even in AAU, they're still traveling a bunch and stuff, but it's not quite the same. It's, it's much, especially at Michigan State under Tom Izzo, it's much more structured. There's... You know, you got to be at shoot around at a certain time and at film at a certain time and practice. And then you've got weights and you've got to eat this and you've got to watch this and go to bed at this time. And you got to be at the Kellogg the night before a home game so the whole team can stay there. So I think for him, it's really just getting used to that routine and finding what works best for him within the routine. And it'll lead to some results. So we got a couple minutes here before the playoff comes out, but. We'll go to another one on Christie here. I was talking to Liam the other day. Um, do you think Max Christie will be a one-and-done lottery pick by the end of the year, or will he be like Miles Bridges and stay for the second year? Max seems to me like the guy who, similar to Bridges, felt like he left something unfinished. Now, if Michigan State goes on and wins a national title, there's really nothing left to finish for Christie other than personal awards and he does not strike me as the guy who really cares about those he you know he said last night in his press conference that it was a personal goal for him to become the best defender he can be he didn't say I fully expected when I heard the words best defender to be followed with on the team or in the conference or something but he said the best defender I can be that was really impressive yeah he's 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 a really humble kid he's a he's very well-spoken very articulate and, and he just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy to worry about his personal stuff, but also, you know, worry about the team stuff where if they lose twice to Michigan, if they are one and done in the Big Ten tournament, if, if they, you know, are out before the first weekend in March, seems like a guy who maybe will look at his performance in those games and in those stretches and feel like he didn't quite do enough and maybe come back. But also this is a kid who I think is is capable of, averaging 18-plus points per game, five rebounds a game, three assists, something like that, and and being as good of a defender he is could make the jump after a year if he wanted to. I think a, a, a good pin to come back to that question is probably the new year. 
You see, got how, see how he does the rest of December. You got another good one for for Brendan that I'm interested in through eight games. Yes. Who is your way, way too early player of the year for the Michigan State Spartans? Way too early. Way too early. Way too Obscenely early. early. That's the thing is, you know, the, the talk so far this season has been, oh, they have no stu- superstars, which can be a good thing. And I look at it a lot on the other side is they also have no leaders. So, I, I you know, I said on the Impact His Own podcast preseason episode that there's going to be some games where they have no superstars, and it's a good thing. And that was last night against Toledo. Basically six players in double digits. Nobody had a bad game. Everybody played really well. The whole team shot well. Um, and then there's going to be games where they have no leaders, and they're going to be looking for buckets, and they're not going to find it. That was kind of Baylor in the second half where nobody really stepped up and, and made huge contributions to get that team back in the game. Um, so that's why it's kind of hard to pick player of the year. I think... I guess player of the first... Eight games. Eight games. <laughs> I think yeah. I think it's got to be Marcus Bingham. I think he's a huge reason why Michigan State has the second best defense in the country. He's in I think the top ten in block percentage, blocking almost a quarter of the shots he sees on the floor. Um, obviously, Walker's done well in that category, but Bingham's also leading the team in steals too. He's leading the team in blocks, steals, and rebounds right now. And he's just done a fantastic job. I've been so impressed. I knew how good he was defensively. We saw. You know, a, we saw flashes of it last year, um, and his length is obviously the big thing. But to me, it's his speed. Everybody talks about Bingham being so skinny and and, and not being as big as a lot of these other uh, centers in the Big Ten. But his speed is such an advantage over. I mean, him versus Kofi Coburn in speed, he's going to win that battle all day. And being longer than some of these guys, he's finally officially seven feet. He's got that huge wingspan. He's, he's so quick to get to these guys' shots and, and to poke balls away in passing lanes that he's just a huge threat defensively, and I think he's a big reason why Michigan State only has two losses right now. He's also hilarious. He's so funny. He's a great, he's a, he's a <laughs> Team great comic. dude. Yeah. Stick around, Brendan. The playoff rankings are about to begin. Quick 90-second break. Everyone's here. We're ready to roll. Football time, but basketball was fantastic Copy as well. That. We'll be right back, though, on WDBM East Lansing. We are just moments away here on the Green and White Report from live roundtable reaction to the college football playoff rankings. We're looking live right now on Ann Arbor, Michigan, as the Michigan offensive line and their awesome sunglasses are walking back into the team facility. They're on their way back from Indianapolis. Once again, 12-18 after the rankings, we'll be joined by Michigan State hockey beat reporter Cam McLaren for all the latest on these Spartan hockey players. But I'm here. Henry's here. Zach is here. Nathan is here. Brendan is here. Brendan, we we haven't gotten your opinion yet. Obviously, we still have a few moments until the rankings are revealed. But your playoff top four is blank, 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 and blank. I think you guys are going to be so surprised at this. Uh, We are all pretty mainstream here. Michigan, Alabama, Cincinnati. I think it's yeah, it's pretty cut and dry. What was your what was your one? Georgia. Georgia State. So at Georgia one. at one. Oh, you want them in order? Yeah. Oh, yes, in yes. order. No, not Georgia one. I I think Michigan has a pretty good argument to be number one. I wouldn't We be, agree. I wouldn't be surprised if they were number one, but I also don't think they will be number one because if they're one, that means Bama Georgia is two and three, and that's when that rematch is gonna be. And also I think in everybody's 
honest opinion, the best two teams of those four are Alabama and Georgia, despite Georgia losing by two touchdowns last night and Michigan winning by 39 points. I don't think Michigan's better than either of those teams. I know Alabama's had a weird year, and they really don't have a big win other than that Georgia win. But I think Michigan stays at two so that the Bama-Georgia rematch can be in the national championship. I just want to say we're looking live at, at this coverage right now, and ESPN has a reporter at Baylor. Baylor doesn't have a chance to make it in. They have two or three losses. Yeah, they're, they're 11, what, 11-2 11 and two with 11 and being two. a conference champion? Unhappy. Like, great effort. Like, good for ESPN for sending a reporter out there. You should have one at State if Baylor's there. Yeah. Come on. That, I, I don't know. I don't like Ohio the, State's not on the board. I don't like the Baylor slander. I don't yeah. think Baylor you, makes it. You you, you definitely. I don't I, think Baylor makes it, but they're ahead of they're ahead of Ohio State. Yeah, TCU made danger. Six. They're made, get it. I think Baylor is at five or six right now. I think so, Baylor should be at five. I think so. I, yeah, so maybe it's not if that Michigan reasonable. Lost, they could have a reporter I, at Baylor. I think so. I think the college football playoff committee just tipped their hand though. Where they have their reporters is the top six schools without a doubt, which is what we all expected coming in. Notre but, Dame and Notre Dame and Baylor will be in some order. Don't five they, and six. Doesn't ESPN see it live though with us? They see it for the first time at the same time we do. I would think. Yeah, but they set the reporters there. But well, just they, to be they, safe, they won't I guess. know. I mean, you're yeah. you're probably right, yeah. but they won't know where the top six are unless is... they got some inside report that they weren't supposed to get. Yeah, well, you didn't answer your phone call, Zach. So we don't know that if that yeah. that might have been our inside report. That, that could have been our inside. Report. I will say, could have said Baylor's one. I will say Baylor's not going to make the college football playoff. But I was talking with my roommates last night as who is the best school right now uh, in both programs, respectively. Obviously, Michigan State's a good one. Baylor too. You know, you had that their football program, Big Twelve champs, their basketball program, national champs last year, their women's program, three national championships, twelve Big Twelve titles in the past fifteen years. Baylor's got an athletic squad at that school. I want to mention something that's kind of. It's kind of relevant. About 15 minutes ago, I got I got a notification on my phone from Tom Pelissero, NFL insider, that said the Lions had preliminary discussions with Luke Fickle about their head coaching job last offseason. Wow. That's unbelievable. Good for Fix. I guess. I mean, Fickle, I don't want I him anymore, though. Is he... Is he going? Well, there was Dan Campbell, and then there was Matt Campbell. Everyone kept calling Dan Campbell Matt Campbell for the longest time. Are, are, are the Lions really only giving Campbell the first year? No, and last year they were looking at Luke. Fickle. Oh, when Michigan I heard you State wrong. Was pre, well. pre the pre pre Dan Campbell hire, and now he's going to go to the playoff and get blown out by thirty five plus. Very nice job by ESPN on this team coverage. They have reporters all across America: Ann Arbor, Athens. Obviously, Marty Smith is always at Alabama. See, this is what kills me, though. You're delaying the inevitable. Like we've all, everybody's talked and dissected this whole playoff thing until until death. Like, can can we get on with the? We have can live, we get yeah. on with it. We have please? live radio hey, 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 here. It, it's ESPN. Like, can we stop delaying the inevitable and stop? Like, I know ESPN can't get out of their own way. I mean, this is probably why you guys are losing viewership base left and right because you won't. Get out of your own way, and you keep, you know, it's like it's like that when you have the bunny, then you have like the little dangling carrot. Like, oh, come on, yeah. come on, come you know, on. This is, I guess, this is a, as ESPN gains viewership here over the next five minutes or so. This is a decent time to revisit some quick conversations we had, Brendan. Get a couple of your thoughts. We had a pretty 
spirited discussion about if Kenneth Walker III is going to go to New York as a Heisman finalist. What's your take on that? It's a four-minute drive from my apartment to this building, and I woke up at 11.20 and left at 11.24. And on the four-minute drive, I heard that entire Kenneth Walker discussion. But um, I'm in agreement with a lot of you guys that there's no way he shouldn't be there. There's no way that he, he can get left out of this conversation. But it's Michigan, and it's Ohio State, and it's Alabama, and at the end of the day, and it's, it's money. Yeah, it's if, money. It's who's going to make you money when you send these guys to the show and who's going to tune in. And I have to admit, those three fan bases are bigger than Michigan State's. And I understand that, you know, logically, Kenneth Walker should be there. Logically, I think he's in the top two of the discussion to win the Heisman. But you can't use logic when it comes to college football and the decision makers in college football. It's just not a thing. They don't believe in logic. They don't use it. I mean, he's had he's had fantastic numbers. He's statistically been better than Derrick Henry, better than Mark Ingram, the last two Heisman running backs. I heard one of you guys talk about it. Kenny Willekes, his senior year, had better stats than Aiden Hutchinson, but he wears that big block M, so he's probably going to be in New York, too. I, I won't be surprised either way. If he goes, I won't be surprised. If he doesn't go, I won't be surprised. If he goes and wins, I won't be surprised either, because he should. I honestly think he's been the single best player in college football and Michigan State probably finishes this year kind of where a lot of teams expected them, fighting for a bowl game, you know, six, seven losses. They're around that area, middle of the pack, Big Ten, not even close to the season they had without Kenneth Walker. And now that's more of a team MVP thing, but he did it with numbers nationally. And except for one bad game against Ohio State where, you know, Nathan, you mentioned he was probably 45% health. He's, I think, runaway favorite to win it. I'm going to bounce this one to you, Luke. Uh, All right. Who are your top three Heisman favorites going into? We'll we'll find out Monday, right? They announce the finalists on Monday. In is, order. Is this who I think is going to make it or who your I— Your top three. Your top three. If you were on the committee, who would you put for your top three? Bryce Young. Okay. Kenneth Walker the third, Okay. And Aiden Hutchinson. Alabama really has a better strength of record than Michigan. I mean, it's one and two. But we, I was talking about this with my roommates last night. Now, these guys are the guys that work for the football team, so they're a little bit biased for Michigan State. But they said, Michigan's only got one good win. And I'm like, whoa. They went to Wisconsin and won, and they went to Penn State and won. Now, Penn State didn't have a great year, but to still go in in Happy Valley, which Michigan has been horrible at for decades, to go do that was big. To beat Michigan, or not, not beat Michigan State, to beat Ohio State, obviously, was big. Win at Nebraska. Nebraska was literally the best 3-9 and nine team we've ever seen in college football history, and they won at Nebraska in overtime. Now, they got gifted that game, but still, I mean, to, to say that Michigan has one good win this year and it's Ohio State is a huge understatement. And also, it's not a good win. It's a great win. It's the best win the program has had probably in the 2000s. Well, and you beat the MAC champion by 53. Like, yeah. I, I remember we kind of were... were scoffing at the whole Rocky idea that Northern Illinois was going to be anything in Northern Illinois is a Mac champion, guys. I mean, I know it's not the same level, but that's a 9-4 and four football team, so no, I, I'm on the same boat with you. I understand it's an ugly letter, and it's ugly colors, and we don't like them, and they're the school down the road, and we beat them this year. I don't care if they win the national title. They're going to have a one in the loss column, <laughs> right? But give Michigan their flowers. They did it this year. You know, I, I, I've heard some talk about 
you know, oh, Michigan fans, they're going to talk about Indy forever and beating Ohio State. As they should. Could you imagine if you came to this hey, school? Hey, I mean, you, you got to get. I'm me not credits. shaking it, Dan. I'm shaking oh. my head at the ESPN oh, thing. I'm, I this thought, is so annoying. <laughs> I thought you were shaking your head at Brennan's take. No. no. I, you know, I, I, I could got... you imagine going to this school, East Lansing, Michigan State, not beating those arrogant, annoying SOBs at Michigan for 15 years? And then the yeah. reaction we would have if we did, the being an underdog Look at, for a chance to go to the Big Ten yeah. Championship and maybe the, the playoffs? Did you see the reaction this year and we beat them last year? Yeah. yeah. Flipping cars yeah. over. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So don't be out here, you know, Michigan State fans, like, oh, Michigan's overreacting. Oh, they finally did it, and now they don't know. No. Well, okay. They're, exactly. they're not overreacting. They're not overreacting. But the whole, but what is an overreaction is the whole, uh, before that, they make it to be this huge rivalry that hasn't been a rivalry in 20 years. Ohio yeah. State? That You know what I mean? Like, it hasn't I, even I, been I a close you, rivalry. It's not I a rivalry. Your, it's a reckoning I every year. I get your point. I, I, I totally understand that. And, That's and, the only and part I, that gets me. I, 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 it's a huge deal to win that game. Right. But but to make it seem like, oh, we're, like, we're, we're two on-par programs. Like No, it's a huge upset no, no, when no. you win. That's 100%. Michigan is completely out of their minds for thinking that they are on the same level as Ohio State. And as a former Michigan fan, I agree and disagree with you in some parts. I, I will say, after that win, it's a rivalry again. They're going to yeah, be rivals. That could be true. Michigan's going to yeah. go to the playoff. They're going to put them on the map. This is probably going to help them in recruiting. They're going to be close with Ohio State from years on out. But that game is as most the games of any college football season every year where I don't care what the records are. I don't care who's the favorite. I don't care what players are on what team. Throw it out because it, it really is a rival. I've watched that game for 18 years before I came to this school. And and every year it, it doesn't matter, you know, who is who. And, and and for years before I was born, Michigan would be the favorite, Ohio State would be unranked, and they would go out there and win. S- for some reason, something about that game, it, it it's it all just comes down to how people play in that game. Nothing before matters. You know, it doesn't matter what you're playing for, what the records are, you know, it, it's really it really is a rivalry game in my opinion. I have to say this, because this kind of popped into my head when I think it was one of you two mentioning Michigan State's bowl possibilities, which not only, hopefully, in a few moments we're going to know the Final Four for the Fiesta. college football playoff, but I think Michigan State versus Pittsburgh would be boring. Pittsburgh? Hey, no, they, could, they could go, whoa, 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 whoa. Pittsburgh scores whoa, whoa, whoa. 45 who's, a game. Who's Pittsburgh's, who's Pittsburgh's coach? Pat Narduzzi. Right. The There's Pat Narduzzi comeback there. game. And, and I have heard that some... Michigan State faithful are not, I shouldn't say faithful, some Michigan State people are not too pleased with Mr. Patrick Narduzzi. I he, think it would be because they want, so... Do they want him to come back here and coach this ball? I think team? it would be so much fun to see Michigan State go out there. Now, I agree, Michigan State Notre Dame would be way more fun, but they don't have Brian Kelly, so it's not as fun to beat Notre Dame. Marcus, Fr- you like, know, I like Marcus I Freeman. I love Marcus Freeman. That's what, I, I, that's I, I like him already. I didn't know who he was, and I like him already. We didn't get a chance to talk about this in the earlier segment, but we I am all caught up on Brian Kelly. I'm a huge fan of them promoting Freeman. So it wouldn't be as fun to go beat Notre Dame, you know? Because I feel like everything that has been annoying about Notre Dame has started with Brian Kelly for the past 20 years or whatever it has been. Yeah, I would and, like this. I would like the. The, I think the Pitt, replacement I think Pitt would get, be fun, and I get think, a nice little bull win is, yeah. unless they're playing the dogs. If they're playing like Oklahoma State or Pitt, go Irish. Why yeah. not? I'm right. down. Yeah, I don't know. I Kenny Pickett would rip that secondary. That's exactly want. what I was yeah. Pittsburgh scores Pittsburgh. 55 a game. Fun to see State try to go out there and punch him in the mouth. 
future Lions yeah, quarterback. Might run for five hundred. Yeah. But am I the only one not completely in the Marcus Freeman hype train? Or like, I am a hundred percent. I mean, on I it. don't know enough about him. Like I said, I didn't know who the guy was. <laughs> I found out about but, him like, right, last week. But so. I like what I've seen. Your so far. first head coaching job is at Notre Dame, though. That's the, the precedent, problem. This the precedent's is it. been set for this. But though, he's with not Lincoln like, Riley in Oklahoma when right, that was his and, first head coaching job. And he's job. not. He's. I, I think what we're kind of getting into here is what Harbaugh said about Ryan Day is where you're born on third base and think you hit a triple. But I don't think that's. I think that's kind of an unfair analogy a lot for head coaches and just coaches in general because none of these guys are born on third base. All of these guys played high school football, played college football, learned these schemes, you know, put in their time. Started grad assistant. Freeman wasn't the DC at Notre Dame for no reason. Like he's the defensive quarter co- coordinator at the Notre Dame University. Like you don't just get that job by knowing somebody, obviously. The other he, thing about he's earned Freeman. it and, and also I will say did, did you guys notice how many of the players and how loudly That's they just clamored say. for Freeman to get that job. Yeah, The athletic director at Notre Dame asked the players, who do you guys want? And they wholeheartedly said Marcus Freeman. And I think that speaks volumes to who he is. Plus, you bring in Fickle. Freeman is still your DC. Fickle could, said that was his dream job. Fickle, Freeman and they could, didn't bring him Freeman in. could leave Notre Dame if they I, snub him. I bet you... Fickle gets a phone call if the players don't say Freeman that loudly. I completely agree. I agree. He's I, probably the I, guy. I, or I, Urban Meyer. We, we talked about it at our staff meeting, I think, the next day after we found out about Kelly. And I, I was one of the guys who said it. I think some other people said it, too. I think Fickle, I thought Fickle had that job locked up. I thought he was going to finish the season with Cincinnati. He was going to get that phone call, and we'd find out a week after the season was over that he was going to Notre Dame. But... Freeman beat him to it, I guess. Speaking of which, I'm just scrolling through my Twitter feed, and it's starting to look like Mario Cristobal is going to Miami. Wow. So, so you know, like, that's not the only head coaching news we have. Brent Venables is reportedly very close to being the next coach of Oklahoma as well. So oh, more movement in the carousel. That is true. That is true. Uh, and I heard... Hell of a hire for Miami if they make it happen. But, like, what do you do with Manny Diaz? Like, Manny Diaz is still hired right now, guy. Like, poor Manny Diaz is just sitting there down right. at Coral Gables fiddling his thumbs. It's like... I haven't been fired yet. There's still a bowl game. Like, how do you, like, what would you do if your boss is actively seeking your replacement and you know it's only a matter of time yet you're still expected to I'd do your job? For my, I'd be looking for my next job. He's going to update his resume on LinkedIn. Well, I'll tell you. I what, like Venables to, to Oklahoma as well, but go yeah, ahead, Zach. So, and we already, we already saw, there, we've seen a lot of stuff come out about it. Um, DJ Ugalele posted a picture on his Instagram live with the horns down doing the boomer sooner. Yeah, so, we were talking about this. So yeah, and uh we got their their starting middle linebacker, uh one of their starting DBs. They were all with him throwing the horns down. So I I, I think a lot of those guys might on un- un- if they get a good coach and they get a good foundation and it looks like a lot of players are gonna come to Oklahoma. Jeff Levy, is, is, Ole Miss offensive coordinator, is also rumored to be going to Oklahoma to be their offensive coordinator. I know I know Clemson had a really horrible year this year. But are they going to be the like indirect, you know, the bullet ricochets and hits them in the whole Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma? That's what I'm thinking. Because because, because it sounds looks like, like a lot of kids are gonna be moving from South Carolina yeah. over to Oklahoma. Dabo's well, message also, probably got old But also it too. sounds like a lot of the Oklahoma guys are following Riley to USC. Or and so then over. they're all going to follow Venables to Oklahoma. And so it's just going to be like two – all the rosters are just going to shift over one, and then Clemson's going to be left with Sweeney, Which, who's I, one of the – you know, I saw a tweet last night. Can you make an argument for Sweeney being the most – or the least liked coach in college football? Absolutely. And I think that's very true. 
Um, Brian Kelly. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say Kelly's up there, too. But uh, Tell you Jim who I Harbaugh. do love. Herm Edwards. Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> oh, man. He's who up takes, there, too. I mean, I mean, how much longer is Sweeney at Clemson? Probably. I think they signed him to a lifetime contract. That's hilarious. I, I Can't they say did as well. Years. So funny. Two years for, for Dabo. Is Michigan State going to be next on that list of, like, in hindsight, horrible coaching contract signings? Uh. I don't think and, so. And, and it's not just football. I mean, you look at basketball, too. I mean, okay, Michigan picked up a win, but Jawan Howard, I think he's a good coach, but so they just I. signed him to that contract, and they're not going to have a year they were expecting to I'll have. tell you who is not a good basketball coach, Penny Hardaway. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, we're turning back to basketball. Well, he All also right, just doesn't have a good happen. team, either. It's going to happen. We have rankings. The graphic is up on the screen. I'm assuming they're starting with six. They have Ohio State, State at, six. at six. Wow. Okay. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. So Notre Dame's going to be at five. Baylor's Baylor. Why did they have a Baylor? Baylor's got to be at five. Henry, this is really? your team potentially. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame didn't even play. One through are they six. Finally, Cincinnati? Are they finally going to slight Notre Dame for being an independent? Spots, One through six is on the TV screen. Ohio State at six is a shock to us I mean, so far. I mean, honestly, though, other than that, it every, checks out. Everything else should be chalked, though. We're, we're just waiting on to see where Michigan State goes in the bowl game. Yeah, we might not, not sure. find that out for a little bit yeah. based on but the 20 minutes. Yeah. I don't know the Ohio State love here, to be honest. Those those colors. Very right. confusing. Very that confusing. That block O. That big O. No, Notre, Dame Notre Dame comes in at what number is, what five. What does Nathan wow. know? Nathan doesn't know anything. Henry's Baylor Bears get snubbed from yeah. the top six. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Freeman. Does but the question is this: With Notre Dame at five, is are they a lock to be playing Michigan State in the Fiesta Bowl now? My only thinking with this is that shows how mu- Ohio State at six shows you how much they like the Big Ten. I have no idea why Ohio State's ahead of Baylor, so that I may agree. mean Oklahoma State dropped below MSU. That's my initial thinking that they're placing a lot more weight on the Big Ten this year than the Big Twelve. Notre Dame number five, shocking. Well, not really shocking. I thought it was going to be Baylor at number five, but nevertheless. You all right over there, Henry? I have Baylor at six with OSU down. See, that is weird, though. music, huh? I like it. But <laughs> Henry, what do you think of your Bears? What do you think of your Bears getting snubbed here? I don't know, man. I I, I thought the committee would be, what have you done for me lately? The Cincinnati, Cincinnati Bearcats are the number four team in As the land. they should be. I will say. Their playoff ticket is punched. I will say. They're taking their time here, so I'll get this in before the next one comes up. I'm glad Cincinnati made the playoff, and I don't want to be this guy, and I don't want to sound, you know, like a donkey, but this is good as long as there's a four-team college football playoff because I don't care who Cincinnati plays, Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, whoever's number one, they're going to get blown out. I am convinced, and it will end the discussion of should group of five teams get their flowers and be in the playoff. I'm all for them being undefeated and, and getting recognition for that, but the playoff is supposed to be the four best teams, and I think you could make an argument that five through eight are better than Cincinnati. Well, when your second Mike best Trestle, win of the former Michigan State DC going to the playoff, your second best win of the years against Indiana on the that I, I'm right. with you, Brendan. Right. I'm with you. The graphic is back up. We may see our number three team here in a moment. Obviously, we don't have the sound on because we don't want this. Our own bar- broadcast, this radio show, to get interrupted. No Patient- free clout. Patiently waiting for, for number three to pop up on the graphic. Do we expect this to be Georgia? This could be Michigan, yes. potentially. This is going to be Georgia. Yes, it will. I would think. We're patiently waiting. I have the two and three interchangeable. I know you were in the car. 
or on the way here for that one. I don't think so. I think Michigan has to be too. You can't yeah. you can't win the Big Ten championship forty two to three and not and go down. That, you yeah, can't. That's, that's why I had him at two and three. But also it's the college football. Georgia playoff is committee. number three. It's also the playoff committee though, so you can't use logic. No, that's know? exactly why I was like they could be three. I don't know. They love right. the SEC. Yeah. The rest of the way has to be quite predictable. It's got to be Michigan. Well, this was the whole debate that they were this having, that we've been two. having, is, is is Bama or Michigan going to be one? And it's going to be Bama. It's, it's got to be Bama. Yeah. Because if you look at, okay, so yeah. And and, and, and good, because I trust Bama more to blow out Cincinnati than I do Michigan. Oh, me too. But, do we? Do we this, was my, yeah. this was my little bit of an argument. So Michigan's, Michigan's one loss is going to be to number 8, 9, 10, 11, Michigan State. Georgia's one loss was to number one Alabama. So that's why I was, if you're looking at the better loss, I mean, I don't know. But I'm, I'm cool with the it. The worst loss, though, is Bama's. See, yeah, I, the worst loss is A&M. Yeah. I do agree with but you, though. But they beat though. the number one team in the country. But they also is that the best should win? have lost to Auburn. Is, is the Georgia win better than Michigan beating Ohio State? Oh, that's the a good one. That's close. Man, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I mean, you're talking Georgia beating Clemson and Arkansas Georgia beating, and Auburn Georgia and beating, Kentucky and Florida and Tennessee and Georgia, running rough shot through Bam, like six, nine win teams. Bama beating Georgia, too, is kind of like Ohio State beating Michigan. Like, Kirby Smart just can't get past Nick Saban no, for some reason. I don't know what it is. He's 0-3. Yeah. Anybody just, else in the country. I want to take a moment and just reflect. Who in the world thought we were going to be sitting here on December 5th, 2021, talking about the Michigan Wolverines potentially getting the number one spot in the college football playoffs. And Michigan State potentially playing in a New Year's in, Six in Bowl. The I had that one. I had that one. You can ask Stearns. In the beginning of the year? Green and white report. Did I not say it before the Miami game? You said they could go on a bit of a run. I don't I remember said, how far I you said, said they could I go. I said, does it not? Because that's when uh, I believe it was Ohio State had just lost to Oregon. And we were like, well, there goes the Big Ten spot in the playoff. Now, nobody thought Michigan was going to do this. But I said, does it not feel a little bit like if they beat Miami, they might be poised to go on a huge run and somehow, some way get into the playoff? And they called me crazy, and I was only two games off. Yeah, you're really a, one game off. Right. If You know, Purdue. Yeah. Even losing to Ohio State, they're still probably in this discussion. Yeah, they they would be top six. That's for sure. With one no, loss. but they wouldn't be. They wouldn't be in the top four. They, no, well, I mean, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are awaiting the final reveal of the number two team, which will obviously tell us the number one team. ESPN has done an awesome job making this as long as they possibly could. It's eleven twenty six or twelve twenty six. Here we, we go. go. We will now know. No more waiting. We've waited long enough. Wow. Alabama's oh, number one. That was kind of a that was, that was tricky a fake. there I by thought ESPN. they were showing number two. That was wow. My yeah. heart was racing there for a second. Hey, Henry and I and Nathan and Brendan was it we the only one Slowick had Basically Slowick is wrong, is what right. you're saying. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> cheap cop out either or I should I should have look at I I should have been more strict with my my two and three instead of putting a two slash three next to each of them. Um, and then, you know, my little Michigan State bias did kick in, and I put Michigan at three. So, But right. I was right in the top four, so I'll take it. We've got three minutes here, then we're going to hit a break. Jacob Phillips is going to do an update, and then we're going to do hockey. But three minutes, rapid reaction. Michigan-Georgia, that's a tough draw for the Wolverines. It was going to be a tough draw either way. It was Georgia or Bama. Neither of them I think they can beat. They I mean, I, I honestly— I honestly, though, for some something about Bama in the playoff and Nick Saban, I feel like if I'm Harbaugh, I'd much rather go against Kirby Smart. I don't care how good that defense that is, is or how good that team true. is. That is 100% true. Kirby Smart I'd is much a rather choker. Go I'll, I'll tell you what. Kirby Smart makes his team play like they're 
the 85 Bears when he plays anybody except for Alabama. That is yeah. true. So, so, right, right. I mean, like, like going against, it, you know, it's the lesser of two evils, Kirby Smart or Nick Saban, you know. Yeah. So I, I feel like if I was Harbaugh, that's probably what I would pick. Nick Saban does have some Spartan blood, and he does know how to beat up on the Is Michigan Georgia, despite being a lower seed, is Georgia going to be favored in that game? No. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I would think so. I would, wow, that's a great question. I bet you would be like a pick em. Have Two you ever looked at Jordan defense. Davis that from Georgia? That would kind of debunk the committee's <laughs> decision a little bit. I want him to be I guess, for, but uh, it's Vegas. Like it's, Hassan, it's separate from the committee. Like, Hassan Hansen's going to find out how good Georgia's front. <laughs> like, who's blocking Jordan Davis? Like, the problem is, U of M, what they do well is exactly what Georgia does. You saw Alabama slice and dice that bulldog back four but that's the only team that's been able to consistently stop U of M on the ground was MSU and look what happened that's like McNamara is going to have to win it through the year and I don't think he can because I don't care how good U of M is on the ground with Corman you're not going to slice and dice Georgia for every five yards every time you get the ball no, no McNamara is not mobile enough to slice him like Bryce mm-hmm. Young diced him on the ground because he was sitting yeah. in the pocket sitting in the pocket sitting in the pocket oh I'm pressured take off is not going to be able to do that. Michigan's bread and butter all year was, like you said, Stearns, running for four or five yards, getting to third and short, third and three, third and five, and then little out routes, little slant routes across the middle to get that first down. They've done that all year. They, they did it in the whole first half against Michigan State. I thought they were going to cream MSU with that and just have third and short every time and just keep the defense on the field. But there's no way they can do it against Georgia, right? One more quick one before we take a break here and – it's been it's been a wild thirty minutes. But does Cincinnati have any shot of beating Alabama? No. What's the line going to be? The line is going to be. I think oh, it's less than a touchdown. Really? I was going to say it's between a touchdown and ten. Really? I think it's going to be like. I was going to say nine, eight and a half. I was I, say, I, I'm going to say six and a half. There's no way Bama's not more than a touchdown favorite. We I, talked about Cincinnati. I had Alabama minus fourteen. I would I had, say. Oh lord. I had Bama minus nineteen and a half. Wouldn't that be a Since, joke for the Cincinnati committee? Cincinnati was up by one be. at Houston at half. One. That, 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 this is the whole thing that everybody hates about Houston when you beat Tulsa by eight. And everybody you're in a dogfight with Tulane and you beat Navy by right. seven. No. You don't play anybody. Cincinnati, in my opinion, is probably the 11th best team I don't want to sound this way and how it's going to sound, but I'm going to say it. Cincinnati's bulk conference schedule is the same as Big Ten teams in Easy non-conference schedule. Do you know who Michigan State played two years ago in the first game of the season? Tulsa. Uh, that, that was, was a, a great fun time. game. That was a, that was that a was very a fun, fun game. Time. It really was. The last but, home opener of the Mark D'Antonio era. Cincinnati has one top 40 at the end of the year. One top 40 ranked win this whole Against Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Against Notre Dame. Against a Notre Dame team, too, who I think is worse than 11-1 and in fifth in the country. I just don't Their think Their schedule is also just, terrible. Yeah. They're, they're their best win is USC. Right. Baylor had to be at, at five, in my opinion. But nevertheless, it's been a wild ride. It's about it's been, the brand. It's been 30 minutes of radio gold as we, as Nathan was screaming at ESPN. You're welcome, Also, also tweeting at them, <laughs> which I can't blame you because that was ridiculous. But nevertheless, we're going to be joined by Cam McLaren, plus a sports update on the other side of the break. But Nathan... Brendan, thank you for joining us. This was a fantastic roundtable. Thank you for having me. ESPN couldn't delay us. Basketball, football. Now they're talking to our favorite person, Gary Barta. Oh, my goodness. I I might have to turn the TV off. Despite watching the actual game. Buzzer for Barta. Buzzer for Barta. Impeach Barta. He's terrible. Despite only watching the metric. uh, 
He's terrible. Nevertheless, thank you very much, gentlemen, for joining us. Cam McLaren up next. But before that, a break and an Impact Sports update with Jacob Phillips. Impact 89 FM. Bringing you sports updates this Sunday and every Sunday. This is the Impact Sports Update. Quick updates for Detroit sports. In the NHL, the Red Wings beat the Islanders in overtime 4-3 yesterday. They will move on to host the Predators on Tuesday at 7. In the NBA, the Pistons lost to the Suns on Thursday, 114-103. They play tomorrow night against the Thunder at home, also at 7. Lastly, in the NFL, the Lions will play the Vikings today at 1 o'clock. Lions last played on Thanksgiving, losing to the Bears 16-14. Thank you, Jacob. Lots of stuff going on in the world of sports. We haven't even talked to any Lions today. Like Jacob mentioned, they're playing the Vikings momentarily. Our good friend, all of our good friend Trent Bally, is going to be at that game. We're still awaiting Michigan State's selection for their New Year's Six Bowl, so Brendan and Nathan are on standby for some more live reaction when that happens. But right now, we're joined by Mr. Cameron McLaren in studio alongside Zach and I for Michigan State Hockey. Is it really a football weekend or is it a hockey weekend? I would say both just because of what they were able to do in Hockey Valley, which is get a road split in a place that is notoriously very hard to play at. So what do you what were your expectations going into the series? Did they did you expect a split and did they meet your expectations? Yes, I expected a split, but they did play very well in both games. I will say the four to two scoreline on Friday night was Okay, it was a goal that went in right at the buzzer and in an empty net, four to two, three to two. They didn't even review it. Um, but I thought that Michigan State played very well, especially Friday night, not letting the crowd get to them because I think they had to claw back. Uh, Christian Krieger, first goal of the season, basically was like Moses parting the Red Sea, just went by four defenders. It was like Connor McDavid esque. Gets his first goal of the season. It's tied two to two. They take a penalty. I didn't think it was a penalty. I will. I. Looking back on it, I still don't think it's a penalty. Penn State scores on it. It's three to two. They can't get the, they can't get past uh, Penn State's forecheck and their their defensive zone presence uh, in the final minute and a half whenever uh, DeRitter was pulled. But to me, it's just they didn't play too well in front of DeRitter on those goals that they gave up. And then Saturday night, Charleston makes fifty saves against a team that loves to funnel the puck on net. The two goals he let in were softies, but Michigan State. When their offense is on, you can tell because the second goal the thir- and the third goal were, it seemed like they were on the power play. Well, the, th- the third goal they were, but the second goal for Sasana, it was like they were on the power play, but they were at even strength. It was beautiful. The puck, p- the puck movement, everybody's in sync, and that's exactly what you want going into the final three games of the first semester, especially whenever you're going up against two teams that are usually mid-pack Big Ten teams that you have to find ways to get points against those teams if you want any chance of being you know, one of the four possibly Big Ten teams that gets into the tournament. So my first question is, uh, how much better is this team than you expected them to be going into the season? Night and day. I projected seven wins. Little did I know that... Uh, They've already eclipsed that. Yeah, well, I didn't realize that Air Force was that bad. I didn't realize that Miami of Ohio was that bad. Um, they didn't play too well 
against UMass, but that's that's the one thing I will say is if we like whenever you do start looking at tournament time, which is something that you have to look forward to now once that Michigan State is trying to finish up its Big Ten schedule. So for me, wherever UMass Lowell finishes in Hockey East is going to be very. It's gonna they have to finish very high for Michigan State to have a very good chance of trying to make the tournament as a four seed in, within the Big Ten if they're able to get that far because. As I see it, if you go and you get splits on the road against tough teams that are ahead of you, and even though Penn State got their second Big Ten win, win, excuse me, the teams that they have played are Minnesota, Michigan, and Ohio State, and they only got one game against Ohio State. And Minnesota and Michigan are the top two teams, no matter what. So for me, it's if you can beat those teams that are always mid-pack Big Ten on the road, you can get some splits. That's exactly what you need. We have a celeb shot question here from Mr. Brennan Shabath. From me because I do some announcing for this team occasionally. Not as much as you, and I'm not as into this team as you are, Cam, but that's why you're my go-to guy. I, I overheard that conversation at the WDBM weekly sports meeting before the season where you said seven wins. And I even referenced it on our last Big Ten Plus broadcast with Olivia Santelli that if the team won that game, it would be their seventh win, blah, 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 blah. They're now at eight. Um, So that was your ceiling, essentially, seven wins. Now that you've seen the Big Ten, you saw them in the non-conference, what's your new projected win total, and what's their ceiling overall as far as postseason stuff goes? Okay, so just because of everything that has happened this year, I would say this, and some people disagree with me, everybody in the Big Ten is beatable. That kid, that goaltender at Ohio State is playing out of his mind, Dobesh, and Jacob Stinson, who's, he played against him in high school. Our so resident like, he, goaltender, and he'll be our goaltender for the Broomball game against the State News in less than a week. Oh, thank God. Big matchup. I'm, I'm not playing goalie. I'm not playing defense. I, I played left wing for I was gonna most say, of my life. I was going to say center, so, wing. Uh, we have some leadership out there. So Cam's a scorer through and through, 100%. Oh, for sure, for sure. So, Power forward, like Anthony Mantha. <laughs> so they're they're nine six and one right now. I I can see them getting a split in South Bend. I can actually see them taking both games too because is that more of a challenge you think than Penn State? No, Pagula is so hard to play at. Like it's just such the environment there, and I could tell exactly. Like that's one thing I am going to talk to Danton about is there were some things that you may not notice if you're not looking at the puck, but Michigan State did a very good job of trying to get under the skin of the Penn State players and take the crowd out of it because they were able to get retaliatory penalties. They offsetting minors. And there were some, there were some plays that you look at and you say, okay, this is an elbow to the head and they missed it. They missed it completely. So back to your point. Um, I don't see them beating Western in the GLI. I could see them beating Michigan tech. Western is a buzzsaw of a team right now. Um, and then hockey school, Western Michigan big time hockey school. I see them because their second half of the season, they play Minnesota twice. They play at home to Ohio State. More games against Michigan. And then they end on a four-game road or a four-game homestand against Notre Dame and Penn State, pretty much the reverse order of this. I see them maybe getting at least another one, two, three, four. Math for journalists, baby. At, At least another eight wins. Okay, so be fifteen plus wins. Yeah. Wow. But they would they would need they would need to get above that in order to get into the tournament. They need to finish 
They need to finish fourth in the Big Ten, but they need to have decent in order to do that. Which tournament? Have, the Big Ten? The Big or? Ten tournament. Okay, they need then, to, they need to get in with a high seed. Is there any chance they make the NCAA tournament? Pairwise says yes. Okay. Pairwise, they're nineteenth. They'll take the top sixteen. To me, it's all about where where do where does UMass Lowell finish in hockey East? Because that is the main that's the best team that they have played against and you know not at least taken a game besides Michigan. Can they win a game in the tournament? At home ice I think they can because okay. I think that's what this fan base has been yearning for is the ability to have a playoff game at home ice and it would probably be because Michigan and Penn or no Michigan and Minnesota are very good this year. I can see them playing a Notre Dame or a Penn State, even an Ohio State at home. If Ohio State decides to just throw everything away, they throw in the towel. Um, but it's looking like it's going to be like a Penn State or a Notre Dame matchup. Just because of the way that Penn State can play, they're going to crawl out of the hole that they're in. Um, every team in the Big Ten is better than Wisconsin, and that's just my honest opinion. I don't know how they've split a couple of times against Minnesota, especially at that rink, but... It is what it is. I still think that if Michigan State, you get splits on the road and you do also get your your um, your sweeps against teams that you should sweep, including Wisconsin, but then you, you get sweeps at home, then you're in, you're in a good spot in the tournament. And even if you go, you have to at least make it to the second round of the tournament to order, in order to even have a chance at going to the, the, the Frozen Four and getting into the NCAA tournament. Do you think that this is still a platoon in net between Pierce Charleston and Drew DeRitter? Because I know it was you, I believe, you asked Danton Cole that question. Someone did at his media availability that you and I were both at on Monday about one of those guys perhaps having an edge. Is is there really not an edge, though? It's still a 1A, 1B, in my opinion, because you take a look. I, I knew, or he had answered the question that Pierce was going to get in at some point. Now, to me, the Penn State the, the the game on Friday they played well. I just don't I don't think they played as good as they should have. But to me, I still think that it's it's an obvious one A and one B, and they were riding the hot hand, which was Drew DeRitter. So I still think that both teams are or both goaltenders are adequate. They need that save, and they can get him with both. Just because Charleston is so big, and DeRitter has been he's proven himself over the years to be a capable goaltender that can give you that much needed save when you need it. So are you predicting a sweep against Notre Dame? Or excuse me, a split? A sweep would be ideal. A sweep you, a sweep would are be you the predicting best a split. Way. <laughs> a split, yes. Um I I've actually never picked uh Michigan State to sweep a series yet this year. Um Jacob has he now has one loss on that cuz he'd been previously undefeated on it. Um so that that's good for me in the pickums, but I still see because it's a road game and it's at Compton I still, I still think that it will be a split. Now, mind you, Michigan State does play very well at Compton. That's a big ice arena, and they pack the house right across the street from Touchdown Jesus. Hockey's is that? Are they a hockey school? Uh, Notre Dame notoriously, they were a hockey school. They're always been a football school, but they have had very good hockey teams in the past. Um, that ice arena. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. Amazing atmosphere. Pack the house. Walk out the doors, you're looking across the street, you see touchdown Jesus, football fields to the left, baseball fields to the right. It's a very college town if you live in Indiana and have forty five grand to get into here. Indiana hockey state, perhaps? Definitely not. <laughs> uh, uh, you're forgetting a sport. 
basketball state, hockey state, no potato, potato. No way. You no, just said it, that. There's Indi- a, I'm, Indiana's I'm, definitely more of a basketball state than yeah, a I, I am yeah. joking. I, I, it's sarcasm. <laughs> two <laughs> words. Hoosiers. My the, sarcasm the, wasn't the fact good of enough. The matter is, is that that's now two straight weeks that he's probably had either a state or a fan base mad at him because last week he tried to make a, a claim that the Kachina jerseys for the Coyotes were ugly. Oh, I was like, you just so you just pissed off the entire NHL. Wow, those things yes. are so ugly. What what is that thing on there? No, no. So coyote, space coyote, but, baby, like sweet, yeah, so ugly. Oh come on! Stay with us though, Cam. We're gonna take one final break, and on the other side, everyone's sticking around. We have opening lines for the college football playoff semifinals, and we'll take a look at the NFL. Cam, stay with us. You're a football guy as well. Quick break. We'll be right back. Impact 89 FM. Bringing you sports updates this Sunday and every Sunday. This is the Impact Sports Update. Final recaps and updates for Michigan State sports. Men's basketball beat Toledo 81-68. They play next at Minnesota on Wednesday at 9 p.m. Ice hockey took away a win at Penn State last night 4-3, splitting the series 1-1. The team will travel to Notre Dame this Friday to take on the Fighting Irish. Women's basketball lost to Notre Dame on Thursday 76-71. They are set to play at Iowa tonight at 4 p.m. To Jacob, thank you for that update. Another a, a tough game for the women's basketball team today against Iowa. That is that's a hell of a way to open up Big Ten play. They have a tough little schedule. I think this this team is going to be good. I will say there was a lot of expectations around this women's basketball team, but no Tori Osmond, no Julia Aralt this year. It stung them bad. Mm, that really hurts. See, this is where I'm conflicted. You lost to St. Francis Brooklyn by three. Right. Do you know how bad? That's the equivalent of Rutgers losing to, to Lafayette on the men's. That's like a Ken Palm, like Mr. Ken Palm. That'd right. be a, like a Mr. Like 250 below, like you. No, that's and fair. then losing to Fordham and Grady either. I, I mean, think they're going to be, like I said, I think they're going to be good given that they've lost Osmond. If they lost, if they still have Osmond and Aralt. I don't know if they have any losses this year. Because those two were huge pieces of that team last year. A couple starters. And, and, yeah, their their whole starting, their whole rotation, their whole starting lineup, their whole scheme changed. Julia Aralt was going to be the main girl down low with Tyre Parks for them. And Osment was going to be the wing to uh, duo with Nia Cloudin. Well, it does help you brought Alicia back. You put Alicia yeah. at the five. I mean, you got Tamara in the transfer portal from Purdue, and then Matilda Ike, the who is in Matilda Sweden, been and been you know was playing international ball over in Sweden for the past what two Our or status. three years. So now I they they got some potential, but you you need you need one you need a marquee win here early. You really do. All right, Zach Cam is here. Everyone's still here. It's it's a party in here. We have it is. This is awesome. We got. One, two, three, four, five. We've got seven people combined in both of our studios today. This is just a great time. But, Zach, we have opening lines for the semifinals of the college football playoff, and they are the following. Go ahead, go right ahead, sir. So we got Georgia minus seven versus Michigan. I think Michigan has a very good chance of covering. I think Georgia will win that one. Uh, and we got Bama 13 and a half point is. favorites over Cincinnati. 
I also want to give out a big shout out. I forgot to do this earlier, and I'm really going to kick myself if I didn't do it. Shout out to Zeke. It's his birthday today. The Happy Wonder birthday. Dog. Zeke Happy the Wonder birthday. Dog. It is his birthday. It just popped up on Cam's Twitter. I had to throw Happy it in there. Happy birthday, Zeke. Because Zeke is the boy, and he might be the goodest boy in the world, and he's great at catching Frisbees. So shout out to Zeke. Happy I, birthday. And Georgia, 13.5-point favorites. I saw, a tweet, I saw a tweet from an Indiana basketball student reporter yesterday that – do you guys remember like a couple of games ago? I think it was the Eastern game. They had Zeke and a couple other dogs come out at halftime for men's yes. basketball. And Zeke do that. and friends. Well, guess what? Indiana started doing that too, and there was the tweet. Oh. There's nothing better than assembly hall and puppies or something. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa! The rack off. The green and white did it first. Okay, we have Zeke. Zeke is the dog of the Big Ten. Then you he got is. the SEC's got Uga. Uga. Nick Saban's looking awesome. Although there in his is quarter there zip. is no better dog than Butler Blue, who almost That's fell off true. the table when I met him. You but. scared that dog <laughs> no, off I the didn't. table. He didn't he did. see me. You came up from behind. He didn't see me. He he just he like smelled like a hot dog or something and turned around and <laughs> the dude who's supposed to be carrying him on a leash was just chit chatting with his high school buddy or something. wasn't paying attention and the dog just kept walking and the table ended. All right, a couple more things to hit on before one o'clock. We have eight minutes of radio magic here the rest of the way. Obviously, they better announce this before one. We're we're waiting Michigan State's bowl selection, but we have another just thrilling game on the gridiron today, and that would be the lovely Detroit Lions versus Henry Menegoza's Minnesota Vikings. You can't handle the truth. Henry, are you guys are you guys going to grab a, a win today against us? Because I know I say this every week, but I think that this is the week that the <laughs> Lions finally <laughs> win a football oh. game. Yeah, I mean, we, we got the injury bug, so like... Uh, no Dalvin Cook? No Dalvin Cook, you know, so... Attrition? Anthony Barr is also out, so... That's a big loss. I mean, the the, the path to victory is there. Trent Bally is listening right now. I guarantee. I talked to him yesterday. He said that his whole his whole family is at the Lions game. The brothers Bally, George, who is an honorary brother uh, brothers Bally, yeah. Mister and Mrs. Bally. They said they were going to be listening to the Green and White Report, so they probably heard the college football rankings Shout first out the Bally from family. us. But is this the day when the Lions finally win a game? I say it's. It, I know I say this all the time, but why not today? I've been on this show one other time before, and that other time we did the NFL Pick'em, and it was, the I think, the first or second. It was the first week of the season because I picked the Lions to beat the Niners, and I was way wrong. But I picked the Vikings and got seven, or I picked against the Vikings. I picked the Bengals, and I got seven buzzers for it, Seven and I buzzers turned from out Henry. to be Ruthless. right. Give me the Lions. All right. Wow. Do we have a, res- do we have a response? Is it, is, this is a fight. <laughs> <laughs> That that was inevitable. Uh, I, this yeah. is a, this is just a grudge Very, match. So I'm not I'm I'm not gonna pick against the Lions here. Well, I am gonna pick against the Lions. I'm not gonna pick the Vikings. <laughs> I'm not gonna pick the Vikings, but I'm gonna pick your boy Kirk Cousins. So I, you know, I love I love Super Kirk. Uh, he looks good in purple. He looked better in green and white. 
But I'm gonna go with the Vikings just because they're a poverty or the Lions are a poverty program and poverty we got some, program. And we got some MSU alum on the other side of the ball, so you gotta roll with them. Hey, the Bally family's listening. Puddle yeah. water, yeah. Sorry, Puddle yeah, water sorry. program. We, we have another member of the NFC North in studio today, and that will be Mr. Jacob Phillips, who's a Packers fan and is all decked out in Packers gear. So he doesn't have a stake in this game between our other two NFC North franchises. Ugly so he's very objective. So, Jacob, who do you think Jacob's our update man today. Who do you think is going to win between our Lions and Trent's Vikings? Or excuse me, not Trent's Vikings. <laughs> Henry's Vikings. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I see. This is a tough one because, you know, Minnesota's kind of been wavering. But it, I kind of got to pick the Lions to lose. Oh, it's not really picking the Vikings to win. Dang it. I, I love the setup there. He's picking the Lions to lose. As much as I would love to see the Lions win, Never in my life would I ever put one penny on them to win a football game. Right. Like, my life say, could yeah. depend on it, and they would say, pick one football game that the Lions would win this year, and I would just die. Cam, you're a New York Giants fan, so you, once again, you also come from a neutral party. Yeah. Um, I I wish that Jacob actually didn't say it, but I, I don't trust the Lions to actually win this game. That's oh, the problem dang. is, I, I will say, I will I like... The Lions losing better than I like Minnesota winning. So, so, so far. Good, good for you, Henry. You know, go get another victory. Uh, the streak's going to continue. We guys. have I'm Henry sorry. one, Jacob two, you three. So three, so far we have got, no, and then Zach four. Yeah. And then Brennan and I have the Lions winning. So currently it's it's five, it's four to two. I am high-fiving Brennan. I don't have the Vikings winning. So you, do you he have the Lions? Kirk Cousins I have, winning. I have Kirk winning. You have Kirk, so we have, <laughs> he does play for the Vikings, Vikings but Vikings. I'm not cheering for the Vikings. Okay, I'm gonna cheer for the Lions, but I'm gonna watch Kirk throw for probably 500 yards on our off our defense and then win the game. So, Vikings three. It's gonna make it that much cooler that the Lions win, and he's still gonna throw for 500. I'm yards. cool with that. Lions I'm cool. two. Be, they're, they're, they're not gonna be winless. There's no way they're gonna be winless this year. They're gonna hey, win. They're not, they're not winless and still. Yeah. Well, I guess it is winless. And still they'll get the number one pick. Give them half a win. Yeah, they're right, still Nathan. winless. They're still a zero in that. Count. You're a yeah, Carolina Panthers fan, so you're also a neutral perspective. Are you going with the Lions, Minnesota, or Kirk Cousins? Should the Lions sign Cam Newton? <laughs> <laughs> Five of twenty-one. That's all I'm gonna say. I, I'm going. Panthers with, can't lose this week. They're not, yeah, because they're not playing. That's very true. No, Kirk, I, I, I'm going with Kirk too. I have him on my fantasy team, and the, there's there's like an old alumni league that Luke wow. and Arden with like with Eric and yeah, ripped on my feet. Once you draft Russell Wilson and Derrick Henry and Odell, and they're all they, they they've all whatever. Oh, fire Matt rule. But other than this that, yeah, give, very, me, give me uh, give me Minnesota. This is an interesting development. We have two votes for the Lions, two votes for Kirk Cousins. And then three votes for the Vikings. Can I get one vote for firing Matt Rule? <laughs> Honorary vote. Matt Rule back. Matt Rule goes back to college. He could be Michigan State's defensive coordinator. Oh, uh, Coach O. <laughs> Actually, I will you know, say. Or Coach O. You are technically wrong because you have two votes for the Lions, two votes for Kirk. You have two votes for the Lions to lose, not necessarily Minnesota winning. And, and then one, one Minnesota one vote win. for Minnesota. To so win. we have one. We have one person on the show. Henry Medic. What's what's the key? That's all, that's all you have to say. What's right the there. key to victory today for the Vikings? Play the Van Lions. Jefferson. The key to victory. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That, was kind of, that was rude. I don't Van Jefferson, two hundred yards receiving. Van Jefferson, Justin Jefferson, Amon Ra, Saint Amon, Brown, two touchdowns today for him. Both from Goff. Bet it. Jared Lock Goff it. is going to have a forty-five plus yard pass completion today. I, yeah, he's going to be one for seventeen for forty-five <laughs> yards. All right, everybody here is refreshing their Twitter feeds. 
they're yeah. in break right now on TV. We're trying I to think. I does think anybody I did, know? I think I deciphered what's happening with ESPN, and so they already did like a whole eight-minute segment with Harbaugh in Michigan, and then they just did another one with Saban. If I had to guess, Georgia and Cincinnati are oh, next. They did it with Kirby. Then, oh, oh yeah, they did do Georgia. Yeah, so Fickle's next. So Fickle's Fickle, next. and then they're going to do the rest of the bowls. So we're probably not going to find Dang. out from Michigan State pre-1 p.m. Man, what a shame. Pain. Given that it's 12.50. All I know is pain. I guarantee you you're on Twitter, Nathan. Is there? I, 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 Mike Stone did tweet how, that he's hearing how, a rumor that it's Michigan yeah, State. Yeah, but I've, I've heard, I've heard both. I mean, the Peach is normally an ACC team. I've heard 2.30. I've heard 1.30. I don't how know. How big of a rule are we breaking to like wait for the announcement to come, and then we'll just come back on and discuss it for like six minutes and then leave again? There's one man... Who's in charge of that? And he's given me the point to conclude the show. Final words, anyone? Fireman rule. Okay, there's that. Cam? I don't have any words. I'm sorry. All right, and- Send K9 to New York. I have to do this because Trent's not here, but go ahead first, Brendan. Uh, Jared Goff, 46 yards, 1 for 10 passing, Lions win. Trent's not here today, so I got to do it in his place. One pride, One pride go baby. Lions. They're getting a big win today. Thank you, everybody, who joined the show today. Brendan Shabbat. Zach Slowick stepping in for Trent, Nathan Stearns, Cam McClare, and Jacob Phillips. And from myself and Henry as well, next week is the ugly sweater slash Christmas attire final episode of the Green and White Report of the semester. Don't want to miss it. Thank you for joining us. Have a great rest of your Sunday. This has been the Green and White Report. been listening to the green and white report on wdbm for all your sports news and notes go to impact 89fm.org sports